Hi, and welcome to For We Are Many. I'm Tricia. And I'm Chelsea. Tonight we will be doing another segment reading from Killing Rage, Ending Racism by Bell Hooks. Um, we also have an announcement because I went two chapters a week, which has made the shows go for about three hours. And in order to make this a little more manageable for us guys, uh, where we're doing one chapter on Sunday nights and one chapter on Wednesday nights. Um, so just wanted to give you guys a heads up about that. Hi, James. How are you doing? Welcome back. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to announce before we dive into this? Well, we are diving into challenging sexism in black life. And I feel that this is perfect with coming out of Black History Month and coming into Women's History Month and Women's Day yesterday. So uh, I think it's, I have read both of these chapters beforehand, like literally right beforehand this week because I've been too busy. But um, this is going to hit real hard and it's going to be good. Hell yeah. Give me just a second to grab that window. Screen share that. Why is it? There we go. System audio. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, if you're reading along with us, this is page 62. Sexism in Black Life. You are challenging existence in Black Life. Contemporary mm -hmm. feminist movement has had little positive impact on Black life in the United States. There has not been any mass-based effort to educate for criticalness in Black communities. Black folks would engage the politics of feminism. It's meaning for our lives. Ironically, more black women are just beginning to embrace narrow feminism. That is, the idea of woman as victim, man as oppressor, enemy, long after the, those ideas challenged by revolutionary feminist thinking, which is much more concerned with understanding how sexism and sexist oppression are perpetuated and maintained by all of us as men. While male domination continues to be a serious problem, it can never be the sole focus of feminist movement. Individual black women have galvanized energy to critique black male sexism, Thomas hearings, and the case against Mike Tyson. More than any feminist writings, these are allowing public acknowledgement that sexism is a problem. Taking on issues of gender is often an opportunistic move to advance careers. They may be concerned with gender equality, but their progress. Rarely do they refer to revolutionary I need you to pause it. 
Yeah, I just saw your note. I practice with um, other black people. Sorry, my audio is you don't want to drive to another spot but you're fine um i i can just do this and then it may be easier for the both of us um because her voice is already kind of skipping anyway um like i mean she she just talks really slowly sometimes and so mixed with these the intermittent problem um it's making it almost completely unintelligible and she just said page 63 and i feel like that was too fast i mean i can read to where we are and you can tell me what the time is and um i can try to fast forward uh, to that um, go to about two hours even because, um, I guess it probably took her about a minute and a half to read through that first page. Crude liberal reformist feminism usually further antagonisms between black women and men. Revolutionary feminism gives a light fear them and want to wipe out page 63. I'm eager to live in a society that promotes and rewards racial equality. Only when they are in a superior caretaking role. Until masses of white Americans confront their obsessive need for a black black victim who lacks the agency to call for an accounting that would really demand a shift in the structure of this society. The rhetoric of victimization will continue to flourish. Page sixty. Black Americans who exploit the rhetoric of victimization do so not only because it grants them moral authority, but because it provides, even though our ancestors certainly suffered harsher repression and injustice, because there has been an increase, most black folks are taught by the is linked to higher levels of expectations. Recently, I was giving a talk at Harvard University about black rage and white supremacy. I was saddened by the number seem to be totally out of proportion to a larger reality. They saw themselves as victims. I'm almost there. They had imagined they would be treated as equals. And when okay. this happened, Sorry, guys, this is is, apparently my signal being shitty over here. Um, so I'm glad that you have the audio pulled up too, Chelsea. Give us just a moment to catch up to the right spot because my signal apparently is However, cutting out half of the racist aggression with militant resistance seemed to intensify the feeling of victimization. One student described being in a class on feminist theory where my work was written on page 61. She found in page 64, essay six. Chat. Found it. Okay. Do you want me to start over or do you want me to read? Uh, 
I mean, I can actually just start here because it's just going to be too hard to fix it. This is the That's worst. That's fine if you just read up. Do not use point. Learning yeah. Ally. Do not use Learning Ally. And we're actually having to read along because of some censorship of certain things that are too heavy for everyone. That's true. Um, so right. <laughs> I will just start over, then it'll all be good. It's fine. We're only 15 minutes past. Okay. Existence in black life. Contemporary feminist movement has had little positive impact on black life of the United States. There's not been any mass based effort to educate for critical consciousness in black communities so that black folks would engage the politics of feminism. It's meaning for our lives. Ironically, more black women are just beginning to embrace narrow notions of feminism. That is, the idea of woman as victim, man as oppressor, enemy, long after the, those ideas have been challenged by revolutionary feminist thinking, which is much more concerned with understanding how sexism and sexist oppression are perpetuated and maintained by all of us, not just men. While male domination continues to be a serious problem, it can never be the sole focus of feminist movement. Individual black women have galvanized energy to critique black male sexism in the wake of the Thomas hearings and the case against Mike Tyson. More than any feminist writings, these events were catalysts, allowing public acknowledgement that sexism is a problem in black life. Among academic black women, taking on issues of gender is often an opportunistic move to advance careers page 63. Like many professional women, they may be concerned with the challenging gender inequality, primarily when it impedes their progress. Rarely do they link that concern to revolutionary feminism that seeks to transform society. That includes a radical critique of racism, capitalism, and imperialism, as well as sexism. These individuals then do little to actively share feminist thinking and practice with other black people. They come to voice pub publicly in moments of crisis like the Thomas hearings to champion the cause of woman wronged. And by doing so, they advance the notion that feminism really is simply about responding to the actions of men. Rather than creating spaces within black life where feminism might gain consideration, black females who are recent converts to crude liberal reformist feminism usually further antagonisms between black women and men. Revolutionary feminism is not anti-male. Indeed, it embraces a critique of patriarchy that includes an understanding of the way in which the lives of black men are threatened by their uncritical absorption and participation in patriarchy. Unfortunately, there are too few black critical thinkers engaged in creating feminist theory. Our collective understanding of the various ways sexism and sexist oppression operates as systems of domination in black life continues to be limited, confined primarily to a discussion about black male abuse of black females. Regrettably, I find myself continually restating in essays about feminism and blackness 
that one of the major barriers impeding our capacity as black people to collectively challenge sexism and sexist oppression is a continued equation of black liberation with the development of black patriarchy. In this essay, I want to extend this critique to suggest that our effort to create renewed black liberation struggles are seriously impeded by the fact that in diverse black settings, the assumption prevails that we need only listen to patriarchal men, that our very capacity to move forward as a people depends on strong black male leadership, page 64. Not only leads to the complete dismissal of black female feminist voices and visions, which could offer necessary guidance and direction, it also promotes and encourages folks to uncritically accept that black males who act like powerful patriarchs are the only bringers of necessary knowledge. This holds true for black social relations among whites as well. White people are often far more willing to listen to black males who assert themselves in a patriarchal manner than those who do not. Concurrently, there are often, and this is especially true of white women, not as disturbed by black male sexism since they seem, like many black folks, to equate black manhood with the assertion of sexist values and sexist thinking. The major writings of black male critical thinkers and writers from the 19th century to the present who sought to influence and shape the nature of black life are supportive of patriarchy. Their work documents the extent to which they believe that the development of black patriarchy was essential to the advancement of the race. Whether we are reading Delaney, Du Bois, Douglas, Garvey, Cleaver, George Jackson, King, or Malcolm X, Often they suggest that the wounds of white supremacy will be healed as black men assert themselves, not as decolonized free subjects in struggle, but as men. While more recent black male academics and intellectuals give lip service to a critique of sexism in their work, often by their bourgeois female counterparts, to advance their careers. Any black male who speaks on behalf of ending sexism appears unique, special. Rarely do they change their habits in professional and private life in ways that testify to a repudiation of patriarchy or sexist habits of thinking and being. Page 65. The exception to this has been primarily in the lives and works of black gay men. For example, Joseph Bean and Essex Hemphill. A distinction must be made between the 19th century masculinist vision of black patriarchy that was rooted in the notion that black men should lead the struggle for racial uplift, educate themselves, and provide for families as heads of households, and a more contemporary understanding of black manhood is making itself known first and foremost by the domination of women. This shift from a concern with benevolent patriarchy to a concern with the assertion of brute domination represents a crucial difference between the radical thinking of 19th century black male leaders and their 20th century counterparts. Discussing the politics of race and gender in the black Atlantic, black British cultural critic Paul Gilroy suggests that in our times, gender 
is the modality in which race is lived. I understand this comment to be a restating of black feminist critiques that call attention to the way in which the equation of black liberation with black manhood promotes and condones black male sexism. Within the context of white supremacy capitalist patriarchy, one can assert manhood simply by demonstrating that one has the power to control and dominate women. So this part that says discussing the politics of race and gender in the Black Atlantic, Black British cultural critic Paul Gilroy suggests that in our times, gender is the modality in which race is lived. I understand this comment to be a restating of Black feminist critiques that call attention to the way in which the equation of Black liberation with Black manhood promotes and condones Black male sexism. Within the context of white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, one can assert manhood simply by demonstrating that one has the power to control and dominate women. This is the first thing that starts to remind me of that issue that I had with those two people that were in Femtifa um, talking about um, Kobe Bryant. Um, and the reason that there was a confusion with calling out that sexism of rape and getting off for rape um, with racism. Um, because obviously there is a problem of uh, black men being falsely accused of rape throughout history, um, not with Kobe Bryant, but um, it will get much more into this, but like this was my first inclination to understand that um, patriarchy is, white patriarchy is making the black community thinks that they have to live up to the same standard of ideas and family that everybody else lives up to and so it is subsequently fueling um toxic masculinity through the black community um and so this is why it's so hard to understand the disconnect between those two things um that the, there is still an inclination for a male to dominate even over race lines and especially today when we don't have racial or sexual equality um so it gets to be more confusing um because we have such conflicting ideas about both of those things um but we are more racially integrated at least socially than in the past uh, James asked, don't black men get falsely accused of everything, though? And to be fair, well, not yes. Kobe Bryant. But not Kobe Bryant. Quite often, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, at the same time, this is why things like this get so confusing whenever they are actually accused of doing something that they actually did. Um, and so then it's like, oh, well, you're calling out this guy, so you're condoning all the men that were falsely accused. Um, and so it essentially comes up to be a more complex, not all men type of situation, and it gets to be hard to have a discussion. Um, and especially with men that think that they are learned enough to talk about women's issues when they don't know anything about them that um and you know there's 
there's a big problem here in how these things get addressed because is there a fucking severe history of black men being falsely accused of sexually assaulting white women? Yes. We've seen it time and time again being used to literally, um, justify race riots of white people like burning down entire black neighborhoods like what happened in black wall street that started with an instance of false accusation of a black man raping a white woman however in the instance that you're bringing up when we were discussing that was before um, kobe bryant well not that it's justified but the context is different that was before integration I live in Tulsa, so I'm right. right next to Black Wall Street. But um, so that was before integration. Now we are several decades after and nothing is better necessarily. I'm not saying that, but the context of it is different. And especially if you are famous. Right. And, and the thing was that day, um, I believe it was the anniversary of the day that he died. And everybody was, oh, Kobe this, oh, Kobe that. And you put that post up to remind people like, hey, um, quit celebrating this fucking rapist because he does not deserve it. And I and, don't, but I'm tired of hearing glorifications of rapists. Um, and I mean, right, I've had my I. own people that have assaulted me um, and most of them are white. But at the same time, I have a sympathy towards things that are proven to be true. Um, and especially this was one that was completely swept under the rug legally and just they passed it off. And then everybody still acts like he's a hero. People that I know. And I so I see it all the time. So I was simply posting Kobe Bryant because he died in a plane crash on that day. Um, helicopter. But yeah. But the thing is where, where this is relatable to what she's discussing in this book is that the sexism that was being addressed there in your post of people still celebrating a known fucking rapist got derailed by somebody trying to trump that with, but what about racism and, you know, this history of false accusations? And it's like, wait a minute. This isn't one of those cases. This is a case of an actual fucking rapist who died and is still being celebrated. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that gets really fucking inflated when it comes to actually addressing sexism without somebody feeling like the patriarchal fucking sense of, you know, oh, but what about these men who have been victims? Yeah, it's separating racism and sexism when a lot of the time they definitely overlap. And that's what intersectionality they, is. They do. Right. We're not solving problems of sexism. Nor are we going to solve those problems by throwing um slayer of they're basically red herrings of i know it doesn't apply to this case but what about all these other instances i well, mean even the guy who did that came right out and was like yes i agree kobe was a fucking sexual predator but and it was a red herring moment because it was completely derailing away from the conversation this individual 
being a sexual predator and to stop fucking celebrating him, you know? And I mean, obviously, it's very different when, I mean, it shows that there is intersectionality that a black man can get away with that now, depending on his position. Right. He had money. He was a celebrity. So he got away scot-free. And that's a problem. <laughs> Obviously, that you is know? not the sociological case of most black men doing anything. But he is not most black men. Um, and so no. I think that that moment really, I mean, this whole this whole chapter specifically breaks down all of that. And I never even knew that this was coming because when I gave this to you, I hadn't read it either. So. Right. And it, dude, every bit of this book has been incredibly eye opening. Um, and especially in the ways that Bell is able to put things in a context that neither of us had ever considered because neither of us have the lived experience of being a black woman in America. And, and it, it really breaks down things in a manner that even as well as you and I did with kind of those things in that circumstance there of that conversation about Kobe, she really fucking just lays it all out. Like, wait a minute, no, fuck this shit. And here's why. Well, um, and this chapter will show women's complicity in this as well. So it shows how she has to identify more with her race than her gender, um, which I would argue right. uh, that is pretty much any Abrahamic religion at all. Um, but I mean, there are a lot of problems there and I know why she took the stance that she did. And that's because um, she has chosen to live her life as a servant. But it was just bizarre. It's just finding in sexism and pages that direct their attention toward that and that she had less of an interest in that than anything else. Um, so. Right. And in her take on this, she's she's straight up fucking addressing like trying to increase black male patriarchy to be on par with white male patriarchy is causing more problems not solving them you're not going to solve racism with sexism it's never going to fucking work and we've seen this firsthand with some of our comrades who are leftists who are black men who have pushed patriarchal views and it's like hold the fucking train because you cannot truly have um a revolution that liberates all people if you're not including women in that including liberating women from patriarchy and the last fucking thing that we need right now is more men standing up going you just need my leadership no, maybe the men need to hear some of the women's fucking leadership um, in order to find that balance. Because this basically just, it, it's causing more fucking problems to have more patriarchal ideals being pushed. It reminds me of what, um, what, oh God, what's her fucking name? 
I'm drawing a brain fart. I had referenced her last week to Emma Goldman. Um, she was a Jewish anarchist and she actually spoke out against the uh, movement for like the women's vote and things like that, because she was like, why would you want to be equally oppressed as men? And in this day and age, we can parallel that with why would black men want to be um, having that equal level of oppression with white men, um, not just on the receiving end, you're still at not at the top of a hierarchy because anybody with more money than you is going to be higher up than you, but you're participating in more oppression of women. And that's not going to solve any fucking thing. Yeah. And yes, like Natalie just pointed out, having fame and money tends to make the unforgettable become forgettable to some people. Um, that's the problem here is uh, now on top of there being white privilege, we got green privilege. Yeah. Which just fucking compounds the problems. Well, and I wanted to clarify, my last comment was about the drama issue, not about bell hooks. And also... Um, what James said is uh, kind of worked for Bill Cosby. We'll get into that later. Yeah. We'll get into that later. It, I, I was very much reminded of uh, the Huxtables and the whole, not Bill Cosby himself and what he did, but I was very much throughout this essay was reminded of the portrayal of the Black patriarchal family through reading this. Um yeah we we will bring that up but i think we need to get a little bit further so if you want me to start again i can uh yes go for it given these conditions black men are not required to become providers and protectors to be men instead as gilroy contends an amplified and exaggerated masculinity has become the boastful centerpiece of a culture of compensation that self-consciously solves the misery of the disempowered, disempowered and subordinated. In my first book, Ain't I a Woman? Black Women and Feminism, I stated this more plainly, suggesting that racial integration creates a social context where black people were eager to throw off oppositional ways of thinking and being that were seen to be needed for civil rights work, page 66. Once that struggle was perceived as one, that is, that black people had gained equal rights, then one assertion of our new freedom was to make mainstream socialization about gender roles the norm in black life in the age of integration black men asserted masculinist subjectivity not by vigilantly challenging white supremacy but by first insisting on the subordination of women particularly black women suddenly black men who would never have access to jobs within this capitalist framework that would allow them <laughs> for families could still feel themselves to be men. Manhood had been redefined. Manhood was not providing and protecting. It was proved by one's capacity to coerce, control, dominate. This contemporary shift, more than any other, created a crisis in black life that remains unresolved. Unprecedented tension and hostility surfaced between black women and men. 
many black women believed that this crisis would be resolved if black males would assume the role of benevolent patriarchs, protectors, and providers, socialized by democratic fantasies that there is work for all. They do not see mass black male unemployment or underemployment as necessary for the maintenance of our current economic system. Do not see that there will never be a day when all black men who want to can work and provide for families. Many black males and even some black females believe the crisis would be resolved if black women would simply accept a subordinate status, irrespective of whether black males worked or not. This was certainly the message of Shahrazad Ali's, that's S-H-A-H-R-A-Z-A-D and Ali, A-L-I, successful book, The Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman. Quote, when the black woman accepts her rightful place as queen of the universe and mother of civilization, the black man will regenerate his powers that have been lost to him for over 400 years directly, end quote. Page 67. I just want to make a note there. When the black woman accepts her rightful place as queen of the universe and mother of civilization, the, the black man will regenerate his powers that have been lost to him for over 400 years directly. I did not highlight this part, but upon hearing it again, and she might say it also, um, I've gotten into goddess religions and anthropology of how societies used to be, uh, more loosely with the anthropology, but um, I just now saw that she's gone. <laughs> more loosely with the anthropology though, um, it's interesting to see someone that has been oppressed by racism assume that a black woman's actions in stepping into her right role is going to absolve the problem of slavery and white supremacy, which is the only reason that black men and women are where they are uh, socially then and now um is because of racism it is not because a black woman is not stepping into her role it's because of white people um otherwise i think that i'm just gonna sit here like uh awkwardly talking while there's only you guys to talk to <laughs> um so yeah she She's gone. And she's back. Did you hear what I said? I heard part of it. Okay. Um, I I had to take a break for a moment. Um, I, so, okay, I'll go over it again really quickly. When the black woman accepts her rightful place as queen of the universe and mother of civilization, the black man will regenerate his powers that have been lost to him for over 400 years directly. That's on the bottom of page 66. Um, so basically, the black man is blaming the black woman or giving her responsibility to put him back in his rightful place uh, after 400 years of oppression, which ironically, was not implemented by black women. It was implemented by white men. 
so like so he so this writing is like it's it's ridiculous to even read it as a white person because you're just like wait i'm sorry did you just did you logically put all of that together because that does not make any sense at all historically at all <laughs> right that's um whoa yeah. <laughs> and she's saying that it's stupid so because i mean i'm yeah sure she doesn't call things I gather stupid, that. but i know she's that in her head she's like that's fucking stupid um so <laughs> Well, yeah, she's critiquing the black man's guide to understanding the black woman. Go figure a man would write a book about women's issues and be completely off. Yeah. That never happens. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't highlight that, so we can keep going. But that's ridiculous. Um, and so, I mean, when I really get into wearing out my highlighter is on page 69. <laughs> what a coincidence. Um, so We're land on. it'll still be a minute. <laughs> but yeah, I'll start it now. Okay. The assumption that black patriarchy would redeem the race, solve all our problems is pure fantasy. We have only to examine critically the lives and works of black males who have attained the status of respected patriarch to find evidence that they're gaining the right to exercise patriarchal power in the home and workplace did not and does not lead to rejuvenation of the race or even to a better life for black men, women, and children. Gilead affirms concerns expressed in most of my feminist writing, particularly my essay, Reconstructing Black Masculinity for my books, Black Looks, when he points to the dangers that arise when the integrity of the race becomes interchangeable with the integrity of Black masculinity. He suggests, quote, this results in a situation where the social and economic crises of entire communities become most easily intelligible to those they engulf as a protracted crisis of masculinity without wanting to undermine struggles over the meaning of black masculinity and its sometimes destructive and anti-communitarian consequences, it seems important to reckon with the limitations of perspective which seeks to restore masculinity rather than work carefully towards something like its transcendence, end quote. Masculinity need not be equated with sexist notions of manhood were black folks to take seriously the feminist critique that suggests we must interrogate patriarchal masculinity to see the ways it has been and is destructive to black males. Our focus would be on repudiating this masculinity and redefining masculinity in terms that would be more life-affirming, just as we have needed to reconceptualize blackness so that we throw off the internalized racism that would have us see it solely as a negative sign. We must rethink our understanding of masculinity and manhood. Richard Majors' book, Cool Pose, is an example of one black male scholar's attempt to question destructive notions of self and identity for black men. Page 68. Co-authored with a white female scholar, this book is useful even though it does not embrace a feminist standpoint. Similar to Robert Bly's work, 
Majors volume offers strategies black men can use to be in touch with their feelings, desires, needs, etc., without challenging patriarchy. Underlying Majors' work is the assumption that benevolent patriarchy is not problematic. While critical of black male violence, he does not relate that violence to attempts to live up to sexist-defined notions of manhood. The glaring absence of references to black feminist work, even when he made, made similar arguments, suggests Major's desire to disassociate his work from ours. That is a pity. Since black men and women are not solving the dilemmas of black life by creating a strong black patriarchy, if many of us could stop clinging to the utopian belief that this is the answer to our problems, we could collect collectively begin to think about different models for social change in black life. Even at its best, the patriarchal paradigm as a model for social organization undermines the unity of family and community. Reliance on a single male authority figure is dangerous because it creates a climate of autocracy where the politics of coercion, and that includes violence, are used to maintain that authority. If we start with the premise of black liberation struggle and all our efforts at self-determination are strengthened when black males and females participate as equals in daily life and in struggle, it is clear that we cannot create a cultural climate where these conditions exist without first committing ourselves to a feminist agenda that is specific to black life, that concerns it itself with enduring sexism and sexist oppression in our diverse communities. To advance this agenda, we would need to rethink our notions of manhood and womanhood, rather than continuing to see them as opposites with different inherent characteristics. We would need to recognize biological differences without seeing them as markers of specific character traits, page 69. This would mean no longer thinking that it is natural for boys to be strong and girls to be weak, for boys to be active and girls passive. Our task in parenting and in education would be to encourage in both females and males the capacity to be holistic, to be capable of being both strong and weak, active and passive, etc., in response to specific contexts. Rather than defining manhood in relation to sexuality, we would acknowledge it in relation to biology. Boys become men, girls, women, with the understanding that both categories are synonymous with a selfhood. You um, so I want, I made a note to stop there specifically because I think that this was before um, trans issues were a bigger um focus in the media and things um but i think that she is leading the way for that here and i'm non-binary so i'm not saying that in an attempt to dismiss any of this because um it is very still sort of black and white on gender right there um but i think once that you start to actually do what she just said there and to um teach what was it our task in parenting and and in education would be to encourage in both females and males the capacity to be holistic 
to be capable of being strong and weak, active and passive, etc., in response to specific contexts. Um, for me, that's the whole, that's part of my whole reason for feeling myself to be non-binary. I do not subscribe to specific attitudes about things. A lot of the time, while I can still be very feminine, my attitude and my mannerisms about things are not always completely. Um, and my thought processes aren't either. Um, just because I think that I can read things differently than people, other people can. But um, I think that she has set this up in the 90s to maybe move towards this understanding of non-binary and trans people. Um, and I, she only just died. So, I mean, I don't know exactly how her stance, um, progressed after this. So, um, well, I, I think a lot of this speaks to also what we define as being toxic masculinity, where that comes from thinking that it is not showing weakness be about anything from somebody um that of uh if you show strength and um as a woman then it's like oh you must want to be a man or something you know like i i've had people accuse me over the years of being masculine simply because i am an assertive person and i do have a lot of strengths and a lot of this shit is just that shit. It doesn't matter what gender you are. You don't have a fucking set uh, group of fucking personality characteristics based on your gender. And that is fucking toxic. Tend as if the shape of your genitals, how you identify should determine and what your personality characteristics are you know um i am a woman but i grasp that as far as energy i do have balance there because i have both quote unquote feminine and masculine characteristics but i don't see them as being feminine and masculine i just see it as being fucking well-rounded um, i don't feel like simply because i was born with a vagina that i need to project myself as being fucking weak or passive you know um this whole idea of women being quote the weaker sex for so fucking long that trash being propagated by patriarchy really led so many women to be passive in situations where they wanted to be assertive and didn't think it was proper for, for them to do so because oh but i have a vagina and yes, James, a human. We are all human. We all have the capacity for being strong in situations where we have strengths, for being weak in moments when we fucking literally have that feeling and it doesn't make you less of a fucking person, regardless of your gender, to have a moment where you feel weak about something. Um, we all have the ability to be assertive or to be passive. That is not determined by either the shape of your genitals or your identity um 
and people have tried to couple those things together for far too long as if being born with this shape of genitals means you have this set of fucking personality characteristics and it's shit that whole entire idea is shit it's not realistic and that lack of realism happening there is part of the frustration and strife that we're dealing with now because of patriarchal influences um, and because of the misogyny that that breeds. It's fucking shit. It's, it's really frustrating to, to live in a fucking society that still does not fully grasp this, even after, you know, the sexual revolution and after decades of people confronting patriarchal shit for what it is, that we, we still have people like the troll that we got last week who apparently thought that we should be in a kitchen cooking something with a baby on each hip. Um, and it's like, dude, my... My fucking bodily Dude, organs you don't, don't want me to my... look for you. Because <laughs> it's going to taste like shit. Right. <laughs> like, I want to order in. But... I was not born <laughs> with the ability to cook. <laughs> I know I have a vagina. But... Well, I mean, you can always learn how to cook. But whether you got you know, the skills or not. That's another thing. But yeah, in, in, I mean, even the flip of that, of, you know, um, men talking trash to other men because they cook and clean. And it's like, what, you mean they, they give a fuck about being an adult and, and participating in adult things, you know, um, for fuck's sake, that doesn't make any woman less of a woman for not wanting to fucking do all of the cooking and cleaning. It doesn't make a man any less of a man for doing his fucking half of that work. It's called being a fucking adult that, you know, you help make messes. Therefore you help clean them up, you know? Um, and yeah, James just said as a dude growing up, dudes would say, grow your balls, man, to other dudes if you had any kind of feelings at all. That's toxic. That's fucking toxic to pretend as if having a penis and balls means that you're not supposed to show that you feel things. I mean, when the fuck did the only emotion that it's okay for men to display become anger and everything else is off the table because that's womanly shit? Get the fuck out of here. You know, um, we all have very complex feelings. We all have our own individual ways of expressing those. And they're, they're not determined by their, for fuck's sake. Um, it's just, it's ridiculous. I, I don't know how anybody ever bought into the bullshit of patriarchy and its misogyny with, you know, like... Especially when there's actually women out there who are participatory in their own fucking oppression because they have this internalized misogyny from being raised in patriarchy and they really fucking adhere to patriarchal bullshit. Um, we will get into that as well. We will. <laughs> uh, I imagine that is another fact. 
facet that she's about to rip to pieces. <laughs> but yeah, like this, this book is on point. It is on fucking point. And I love it. Thank you for sending me this book. It's fucking dope. You want me to start again? Absolutely. Go for it. Usually, when black folk urge young black males to be men, they are really urging them to be responsible, to be accountable for their actions. These are qualities needed for self-actualization. They are needed by both black males and females. When they are equated in the male child's imagination with this mysterious, unattainable manhood, not only do they seem unrealizable, but they seem more to be traits that confine and limit rather than liberate. Hence, the need to rebel against them. Growing up in a patriarchal household with a strong black male provider and disciplinarian, it was evident that my brother resented the pressure to be a man saw it as a burden. For example, when we were children together, we shared a toy, a little red wheelbarrow. My brother was taught that it was his task as the male to push me in the wheelbarrow. He associated the pushing with work and getting the ride with pleasure. As soon as we were out of the sight of adults, he would dump me. His early sense of what it was to be the little man was associated with having no pleasure. How differently we could have seen things if we had both been taught to share mutually the pleasure of riding and the work of pushing. Through yeah. my brother's growth into manhood, he has resisted efforts to be responsible, seeing them as meaning the absence of pleasure, page 70. In this sense, he did not want to conform to a patriarchal sexist notion of malehood. Without an alternative that would have given him a sense of self-actualization that would have included pleasure, he fell into shiftless patterns and addictive habits. Um, and so this specifically um, has really nothing to do with race. Um, this is normal. <laughs> um, and so. I, common. I don't know if I'd call it normal, but common, yes. Uh, yeah, okay, yes. Uh, common. Um, so this is where we are constantly seeing, uh, and honestly, okay, so I know that we have a problem with engaging with trolls, but sometimes it brings like really good points, and so I have a problem with drawing a line because sometimes it perfectly sets up everything. Um, and so I think that this one does that too with the troll that was not on the feminist uh, stream. Um, it was just the current event stream saying that uh, female privilege does exist. Or was that on this one? No, I think that was, I think that was on the current event. Um, um, I think saying female privilege exists. And so this is what I think that, that troll is talking about as female um, privilege. Um, and I can see where you get that kind of idea. Um, and so it builds up this resentment of, um, I have to do all of this and I don't get any pleasure. And while women may find pleasure in certain ways and maybe sometimes don't have to work as much as men at the same time, that is why they are not paid as much as men. And that is also, um, 
why it's perceived that they are just constantly relying on people um, when in reality that's not what they necessarily want to do. Um, what is not being looked at is that she is also being set up to not be a self-actualized independent person or that if she cannot be a self-actualized independent person because of the state of the economy, that that means that um, she has to take whatever bullshit comes her way um, from the people that are providing for her. Um, and so I would say that this is, this is, the resentment is built up when you are playing with your brothers and sisters um, because you think that I mean, and she never says that she never would have wanted to push the wheelbarrow. There was never a conversation about it. Um, so I thought that that was an interesting paragraph as well. The, the wheelbarrow, you know, give him, you know, well, and the reality of it is, is that maybe girls' childhoods are better, but that's basically the only good part of our lives sometimes. Um, because, um, we do eventually have to work. We have a little vacay until we're in our teenage years. Um, and then everything goes to shit after that. It's like, you think the world's sunshine and rainbows and then you wake up and you realize that everybody fucking hates you. Well, this also speaks volumes to why we have seen um, this enormous growth of the incel nation. And for anybody who isn't aware, incels are those who have deemed themselves involuntary celibates. And they're the worst misogynistic fucking pigs you could ever fucking come across in your life. Um, because they, they are still stuck in that frame of mind of like, well, I'm a man, so it's my job to just work, 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 work. So I want to demand that I receive a woman with this specific list of fucking attributes, you know, and she should just agree with everything that I say, cook and clean for me and suck my fucking dick um, because I'm entitled to the pleasure of the use of her body and also to her shutting up and not having any fucking opinions because I'm the man and therefore I have to do all the work. And it's like, what fucking century are you living in? You're not going to find a woman who's going to be like, you know, fitting all of your fucking stupid criteria of attributes and wanting to put up with your shit, which is why they've deemed themselves unfuckable with their own attitudes. Um, us being involuntary, they can't find nobody because we don't live in that time anymore of women having that privilege of not having to get a job. And we also live in that time of women just be educated, never do anything except cook, clean, and make babies, and not having fucking opinions or think for themselves. And these men are mad as fuck, not fucking just basically go to and fucking name want and just receive it um that's just not how she so they are completely fucking disengaged from reality on every fucking level because of having been raised with these patriarching views that 
no longer apply to the world at large. And they never should have in the first place. Like that, that was a toxic cesspool of shit that we're still fighting to get our way out of. And it's, it's fucking difficult to, to be, you know, navigating in the world with people who still have those types of fucked up expectations. Um, James just said, you know, didn't they have a mom, grandma, great grandma, girlfriend, wife, or daughter? We will get to that as well. Well, you should look at things as how they would affect male relative of yours in order to grasp that they are wrong. And that part of the problem is, you know, there's still people defaulting to that of how would you feel if it happened to your mom or your daughter or your sister, etc. And it's like, if you have to put them in place of they matter because of their relation to you, then you're not regarding them as people. Well, and the problem is also that we will get to that as well. And we will look at how those women perpetuate this same mindset. Yeah, some do. Some do. Again, that internalized misogyny. I I don't think it's some. I don't think it's some men and I don't think it, I don't think it's some men and I don't think it's some women. I think it is most of both. Fair. Fair. But we will get there. Do you want me to start again? Yep, go ahead. Most black females have not been socialized to be women in the traditional sexist sense, that is, to be weak and or subordinate. Had we been socialized this way historically, most black communities and families would not have survived. Other traits were needed so that we could enter the workforce, head families, if need be, act as providers and protectors. In an oppositional manner, black females learned these traits while also learning ways to be feminine, to act subordinate. Not surprising, many of us do not choose to be subordinate, depending on the social context. More than ever before, black females today are concerned with issues of femininity, even though most of us cannot lead lives where our primary focus is on how we look what we will wear, and how well we will submit to male authority. It would be liberatory both to black males and females for us to rethink whether appropriation of conventional sexist norms has advanced black life. So the first two sentences of the other paragraph and that sentence So most black females have not been socialized to be women in the traditional sexist sense, that is to be weak and or subordinate. Had we been socialized this way, historically, most black communities and females would not have survived. And then the first sentence of this paragraph that was just read, it would be liberatory both to black females, to black males and females for us to rethink whether appropriation of conventional sexist norms has advanced black life. She is about to, for the next few pages, get into how the white structure of patriarchal family has divided and conquered the black family in integrating them into public life. 
um, into like workforce life. Um, so it has created another problem in itself because we have allowed them into our culture in the way that our culture works, but our culture doesn't work. And so it is actually much more detrimental. Um, so we don't have to dwell there, but um, she's about to get into this whole divide and conquer patriarchal idea of how it's been adopted in black communities. And we get a surprise visit from Hitler pretty soon too. Ugh. Looks that black men to act as protectors and providers as a way of earning the status of patriarch seems ludicrous given the economy, the shift in gender roles, the inability of many black males to provide either economically or emotionally for themselves, and their inability to protect themselves against life-threatening white supremacist, supremacist capitalist patriarchal assault with which they are all too often complicit. For example, black-on-black -black homicide. This homicide is itself an expression of patriarchal masculinity, as it is patriarchy that demands that males prove their manhood. Page 71. Connected to the utopian hope that the establishment of black patriarchy will heal our collective wounds is our persistent cling to the trope of family as the only site of redemption. Usually the vision of a healthy black family is equated with patriarchal father-headed households. Gilroy suggests we should rethink our investment in this unidimensional sense of family. I want to ask whether the growing centrality of the family trope within black political and academic discourse points to the emergence of a distinctive and emphatically post-national variety of racial essentialism. The appeal to family should be understood as both the symptom and the signature of a neo-nationalist outlook that is best understood as a flexible essentialism. Importantly, Gilroy contrasts the idea of an ideal, imaginary, and pastoral black family with the reality of authoritarian representation of blackness. Unlike Gilroy, I do not have problems with a vision of social change in black life that returns to a trope of family life as a location for redemption. I think it is a crucial and important site for education, for critical consciousness, decolonization, etc. The problem lies with the insistence that the redemptive family be patriarchal. It should be more than clear, if not from black life, then from the experiences of white folks documented in feminist writings, that the patriarchal family presents no model for liberation. So this was where I was um, bringing Bill Cosby in with the Huxtables, uh, and not specifically his personal actions, just the representation of the patriarchal black family. And I've actually talked to you before about uh, Lisa Bonet um, and what her, um, I don't know if this was on a stream or if this was privately, um, but Lisa Bonet, from what I have read when she was involved with the Cosby show, um, she was expelled from it, I think maybe because she got pregnant or something, but just her, the lifestyle that she was living 
was not up to the expectations of Bill Cosby himself, as ironic as that fucking sounds. Um, and she then got her own little spinoff show um, where she came back to try to make everything look sort of amicable. But that still ended up not really working out very well um, because she does not. Obviously, you do not get a vibe from her that she's down with the patriarchy. Uh, and so it made me think of this specifically because she is one of those women that takes control of her own life and does whatever she wants to do and does not need to have fame or constant recognition or to kiss people's ass just because they told her to. Um, and that was basically what he wanted. Um, and so this has nothing to do necessarily with Bill Cosby's personal actions in his life, but at the same time, it is ironic that his personal life turned out to be the way that it is because it plays directly into this as well. Right. Like the audacity for him to try to judge anybody else by some kind of fucking arbitrary moral standard while he's going around drugging and raping women. What? <laughs> you know, um, it, he's not exactly one to try to stand on some moral high ground about someone else's life choices that aren't harming people when his personal choices were harming people audacious at best um yeah but um that last line where she says the patriarchal family presents no model for liberation really hits because that's not liberating of men or of women when men are confined to you know being taught that these toxic behaviors are how to be a man and then they question their own fucking manhood if they are unable to do the unrealistic and actually subordinate a woman um and it's sure as shit obviously not liberating for women to have a man expect them to be subordinate to them um and these are and these are white ideas these are white ideas that they are going by, that they are adopting. And black women are more aware of this than anybody because they actually have to deal with it all the time. I mean, certainly black women, because obviously other black women um, take the stance that men should be the provider in all of this, even when they're not doing it. I mean, so there are men and women that always... Um, think that patriarchy is going to fix it. But I mean, the black women that don't, they see this more than anybody that, that they're not allowed to talk in certain set in certain settings about certain things um, without yep. being acted like they're distracting from the conversation, which is what white women have to do. Maybe not to the same level and same excruciating extent, but it is the same thing because white people invented patriarchy and white people suppressed black people for hundreds of years and still are to an extent. Um, and, and, and black women just have to take this shit from everybody. And all of it goes back to colonization 
Um, it goes back to Christianity being a big part of that colonization because this religion that was once used to justify the enslavement of black people by white people who were colonizing the fuck out of Turtle Island, um, these ideals got ingrained um, to the point that, you know, look around, there's still a lot of black people who adhere to the religion of their oppressors. And this is a side effect of it, that with that fucking religion and with colonization comes misogyny and patriarchy. Why? We need to trace it all the way back to motherfucking Constantine, who uh, took the uh, the Septuagint, uh, a group of 70 scholars and priests, and made them redact the, the priestly scrolls into what became the canon of the Bible as it is today. And in the process, had them remove all reference to the sacred feminine, had them remove anything that did not adhere to what he wanted to instill using patriarchy as a way to subjugate the people of the empire. Because if you automatically subjugate half of the population just because of the shape of their genitals, it makes it a lot easier to push other things on the other half of the population and tell them, like, see, you are the one on top because you have an Audi. Therefore, you are here to subjugate those with an any. Um, it, it literally was a paradigm for using religion to control the fucking masses and steer them in a direction of like, this is what is socially acceptable. This is how we're going to set up the framework of fucking society. And thousands of years later here, we're still we're still dealing with the ramifications of this shit. Um, and it's befuddling to me that anybody in this day and age would would still adhere to these things when this knowledge is out there that look this was built to be a system to control every fucking facet of what you do and we're not talking about the uh quote-unquote good guidelines of like don't kill people. For fuck's sake, if you need a pretend friend in the sky to tell you not to kill people, then there's something more wrong with you than, you know, you're ready to admit. Um, we're, we're talking about all of the, the harmful things that come as a result of it that have evolved into nothing but a toxic fucking cesspool. And it, it's part of why I emphasize as frequently as possible that people really need to decolonize the fuck out of their own minds. Um, both the colonized and the colonizers, because both have been just completely mind fucked with these ideals. And this right here is the fucking results of that, of people constantly in strife and conflict with each other over simply how we exist. Do you want me to start again? If you have nothing to add, yeah. Um. I've just highlighted a lot, so I already, like, I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, 
black folks have always upheld the primacy of patriarchy, if only symbolically. Whether males have been present in black families in the United States or not, many black females in their roles as heads of households assumed an authority, symbolically patriarchal, stance contrary to racist, sexist stereotype. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> this lady can't read. Um, this is contrary to popular belief. Black folks have always upheld the primacy of patriarchy, if only symbolically. Whether males have been present in black families in the United States or not, many black females in their roles as heads of households assumed an authoritarian, symbolically patriarchal stance. Yes. Oh my God, I think I just... Patriarchy. Okay, cool. If only symbolically. Whether males have been present in black families Whatever. in the United States or not, <laughs> many black females in their roles as heads of households assumed an authority, symbolically patriarchal, stance contrary to racist, sexist stereotypes that would have everyone believe black women were more than willing to assume the male role in their roles as heads of households. Most black women validated the superiority of maleness, the importance of the male role, even as they may also have critiqued black male men for not assuming that role. Page 72. Black male men. Like all other groups in this society, black families in the United States have been just as invested in structuring families so that the ideology of patriarchy and authoritarianism is reproduced even when no males are present. Black we males offer endless testimony of the extent to which they were um, Let's get to the end of the paragraph. about the importance of being a man. The absence of men in these homes did not mean that male presence was not overvalued and longed for. All too often, folks assume that the black female critique of no good shiftless black masculinity is a declaration of independence, when in fact, it usually masks a deep longing for that benevolent patriarchal male to appear so that she will not have to be responsible for every aspect of life. That paragraph really sums up precisely what I have had trouble dealing with when it comes to um, a couple of friends who are black male comrades that still preach patriarchy and it, they they really think that you know oh well the problems in you know black families would just be solved if if the kids had both parents in the fucking household type shit of they need to have a strong black male figure in their life type shit and i'm not saying that you don't need both male and female and everything in between influences in your life growing up. But what I am saying is that is a toxic framework right there. Um, because not only is it completely fucking invalidating of gay couples for one, because guess what? Kids can have a healthy home and raising by two women, by two men, by two non-binary people, by any combination thereof. 
Um, but this ideal that, oh, well, we, we have trouble in our families because of being raised in a single parent home by gifter moms um, and that, that longing that's left for the benevolent patriarch, as she puts it, um, it's, it's not going to solve those problems. What kids need when they're growing up is love and security support. Um, and those are not determined by the genitals of the parents in their household. Uh, not to mention it's completely invalidating anybody who has ever left the other parent of their children due to abuse, that you're literally doing the best thing you can for your kids by removing them from the presence of the abuser. Um, so there's so many circumstances where that paradigm there that's being longed for doesn't apply and would not have made the situation better in many situations would have made it worse. Um, like in the case of, you know, having, if you were going to stay with an abuser just to have both parents in the fucking home, um, it, it's toxic and it, and it breeds more toxicity that, that there's any for that, you know, that patriarch. Um, and, and I mean, even their own contradiction of terms, because how could truly be benevolent if you see yourself as superior to your partner and your children, like they are your property? You can't. So this directly plays into the whole question of the mothers, grandmothers, uh, daughters, sisters thing. Um, because our mothers and grandmothers and daughters and sisters are still perpetuating this bullshit themselves because they're tired of taking on the role constantly of cleaning up after men. And the, um, issue is also that whenever we talk about the issue of whatever specifically black women have to deal with in regards to black men, not um, being present or as involved, um, that the black women are blamed for that. Yeah. Um, and that in every context that this is brought up, that you are blaming some, you are saying that there is a problem and then you're not placing the responsibility of that problem on the person that is not contributing. Um, right. So, um, but specifically, this is why I also don't like that mothers, grandmothers, daughters, sisters argument. I don't think, I think that it's a pretty common argument to say that uh, we are people, obviously. But at the same time, I don't think that it's just common to say that um, it is those same people that are still perpetuating these ideas. Because, I mean, even this, like... While it is specifically talking about black people, I mean, I grew up with a mother that divorced when I was four and then she remarried and she was married for 15 years again to someone that was awful. Um, he is gone now, like he's dead. Um, he treated her bad too. And so now she finally has a husband that treats her well, but it is in still the same patriarchal context and she just thinks that you just have to find the right man. You think that you just have to keep going and find the right man. 
where uh, because she's done so much work. But in reality, even though she found the right man, she doesn't have children with him. And we are all old enough to be out of the house. And so there is a level of him that she will never know. Uh, which is the only reason that she can be happy with that. And so, I mean, not the only reason, but like specifically, obviously it's like, you didn't have to deal with this aspect of this person. Um, and so, uh, I, I can see a lot of the thought processes in that. It's just that this is much more detriment detrimental to the black community because, um, they are being bl blamed for societal issues or they are being discriminated against specifically for their own internal issues um when really white people are the ones that have created this this complex problem i mean it is the responsibility of people to recognize that but that it's not being recognized so it, it that applies on many fucking levels i mean if we even look back through the last couple hundred years of history here on turtle island um with with slavery we had black families being broken up because um couples would be split up when one or the other got sold to a different slaver their children were taken away and sold to other slavers the whole fucking nine yards um after slavery ended then it was jim crow laws and shit like that that had um mostly black men being set up to fucking just fill beds in prisons. And even since Jim Crow has ended, we still have other things like Biden's fucking crime law from the 90s that still target black men more than any fucking buddy else where there's these outside forces that are causing splits in families that it's like, wait a minute, why aren't we looking at the real source of the problem being societal systemic fucking racism that has for the longest time fucking targeted the shit out of black men and imprisoned them at a higher fucking rate per capita than pretty much anybody out there except for the indigenous, which, you know, is, is still problematic, but is not as seen because of indigenous having such a small population at this point due to genocide. But when it comes to a, a huge portion of our population here, you know, you see a higher rate per capita of black men being arrested and imprisoned, given harsher sentences than their white counterparts, even for the same crimes that they participated in together. Uh, there's actually a case I was reading about yesterday where a black man and a white man, um, both very young, the white man was 24, the black man was 18 at the time that they, they committed a fucking robbery together. It was the white man who planned it. Um, the white man got a 10 year sentence. The black man got a sentence of like 1800 fucking years. And thankfully, the judge that had given him that sentence is dead and uh, the governor of that state overturned it and finally set his release to happen sometime soon here. Um, the, the case was revisited at the end of last year, so he should be free sometime soon. But this is after having served 20 years versus 10 years for the white guy who actually planned said robbery. Um, things like this are still 
fucking happening where for the precisely exact same fucking crime, having a higher level of pigment is earning people a fucking extremely larger sentence times this fucking country is built on and, you know here um white society has both the audacity to impose this on the black community and the fucking audacity to then judge it and be like see look at this um you know like See, we're, we've arrested more black people than anybody. It must mean that black people are just more prevalent to crime, right? And it's complete bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. Dude, this, this causes so many fucking problems that a lot of people don't necessarily connect with each other. That when we're talking about how many people who have forcibly been fucking raised in one parent homes how many fucking times is that because their their father or in some cases their mother was arrested on some bullshit charges and then given extremely long sentences for something this is this is fuck um, so there's a lot of people who would otherwise be able to be a and part of the raising of their children. Just pointed out the reason why that young black man participated in that fucking robbery was because even with multiple is 20 years old, 19 or 20, somewhere in there, depending on what the pregnancy was. But either way, this is a young adult who is had no to grow up in a single parent home because their father got a fucking extremely unfair sentence. It's, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. All of these things come into play when we're talking about absence of men and women, um, that it's not necessarily by choice. Sometimes people commit crimes because of the poverty that they live in. I'm telling you right now, if we were to solve poverty, if we were to have housing and food and health care be fucking guaranteed, we would see a drastic decrease in crime. Why? Because most crimes are fucking committed due to poverty. This is the fault of society. This is not some kind of fucking moral or ethical dilemma with the individual who sees no choice out of their poverty except to commit criminal acts when there is no other fucking recourse for solving their poverty. This is a problem that society has fucking created and then turned around and judged and demonized. And it's mostly affected families of color. Like, does it sometimes affect white families too? Sure. But does it affect families of color at extremely fucking, like, exponentially higher levels? Yeah. Yeah. 
because that's the framework within this uh, society that was set in hundreds of years ago that all of the shit depends on white supremacy. You, <laughs> I, I could fucking go on for days about this, but I digress. This, this issue that she is addressing here is so fucking multifaceted that I mean, it would take probably few hours at least just, just to even break down all of the ways that those facets come together, applying to just that one paragraph. Well, I was hoping to get to the end of this paragraph before I have to go pee. Um, but that is not the case. So, uh, you're back. Ouch. Oh, goodness. Pinch nerve. Oh, but my head be screaming at me. I'm sorry. I, I just saw that you said it was, it was breaking up some. Um, so my apologies. My signal sucks where I'm at right now. Um, so for um, a lot of people, have been, I mean, for fuck's sake, not too long ago, I shared uh, a clip, the Adams family, the original Adams family show where the father was telling his son precisely that that it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how you physically exist. What matters is who you are and how you happen to the world around you. And I mean, that show was in black and white. So that was decades ago before even color TV. And they were already trying to, you know, at least teach that notion that you are people no matter what, you know, your pigment level is, what your gender is, um, whether you're tall or short, fat or skinny, doesn't fucking matter. What matters is who you are, not how you appear. And people still don't fucking get it. I mean, not saying everybody doesn't get it. Some people get it. Um, but there's still way too many people who don't fucking get it. And it's goddamn ridiculous. And it's frustrating. It's so fucking frustrating. Um, to even still have to contend with people who cling to these fucking notions. It's emotionally taxing. It's mentally taxing. Um, to try to open people's eyes to those facts. When they don't want to see it at all. You know, I mean, especially considering like, okay, the, the trolls a couple of weeks who were just inherently fucking sexist to the goddamn core. They basically found us playing on Twitch and we're like, oh, fuck, there's women talking. We can't have that. You you should shut up and, and like go make babies or something. Um, and one of those trolls was even a white supremacist asshat who I ended up blocking after he fucking went on a rant in the comments talking about um, how Chelsea and I should be making babies in order to fucking, you know, help grow the white population. And it's like, okay, boy, you must be confused. 
Um, because not only do we not have any obligation to give birth simply because of the organs we were born with, um, but uh, that he was he was basically showing his own fucking insecurity about white men losing their status of privilege. Um, wah, cry me a fucking river. This is a privilege that white men were never fucking entitled to in the first place. And I really don't fucking care how much they want to cry about being knocked off that fucking pedestal. Um, I really don't care. They can go fucking cry in their fucking, you know, bed, whatever. Um, all they fucking want about, uh, other races actually growing in population where white people are no longer going to be a majority as far as, you know, population percentage. To me, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because you can see how many problems have been created in society simply because of being dominated by a majority white population. It's fucked. Um, and James, you know, if only it was that simple, uh, actually work. If it was repeated over and over for many years, we need to keep repeating it. Um, this, this is so inherently problematic that there aren't enough people repeating that message that you are valid and you have value simply for existing as a human being. I mean, how is that a radical ideal that because you are alive that you hold value? Um, it It's ridiculous to me that there is even still people in the world who seem to think that having this shape of genitals or that makes you superior, inferior, or pigment levels or any other fucking thing. Or even when it comes down to the really fucking homophobic straight people thinking that that makes them superior to gay people and it doesn't, it, it's fucked. It's all fucked. You know, um, and agreed, James, people are people in that is world, not just America. Um, however, these problems, um, I, I mean, and maybe this is just my own perspective from living here, but I think a lot of problems were exacerbated here because of 400 plus years of slavery. Um, not to say that anti-blackness doesn't exist in other parts of the world, because it certainly does. Ukraine is showing us that right fucking now with the way the fucking neo-Nazis there have been trying to literally block black people who live there going to school and whatnot from actually getting on the trains and getting the fuck out of there. So, yes, anti-blackness does fucking exist in other parts of the world for sure. But here, it is so fucking ingrained because of over 400 years of slavery that it has pushed people to that point where even a lot of members of the black community have ingrained those ideals because they were raised being told that they are somehow less than. Um, whether it be their teachers at school, 
um, which I was, I was listening to a podcast the other day from Push Black, where there is an educator that uh, he was interviewing who was talking about how this has become an issue in school because teachers who still don't fucking get it and don't realize, you know, black students to a different standard than white students. Um, things like that, that, uh, come so ingrained that there's so many things that need to be dismantled in order to actually fucking address the shit level. And yeah, people in America hate everyone for everything that they possibly can. Yeah. Agreed, James. It, it, it's sad. It's pathetic. Are we ready to go again? Um, reasons people look for reasons to weakness. Thanks. Are we ready again? <laughs> um, go for it. I've just been ranting. Family is a significant site of socialization and politicization precisely because it is there that most of us learn our ideas about race, gender, and class. If we ignore family and act as though we can look to other structures for education, for critical consciousness, we ignore the significance of early identity and value formation. To speak about a progressive, non-authoritarian black family as one site of redemption as I often do in my work, is important. This is not the same notion of family as many nations, sentimentally evoked by fascists and now nationalist thinkers. The family Hitler dreamed of when he declared, quote, if we say the world of the man is the state, the world of the man is his commitment, his struggle on behalf of the community, we could then perhaps say that the world of the woman is a smaller world, for her world is her husband, her family, her children, and her home. But where would the big world be if no one wanted to look after the small world omission? The big world cannot survive if the small world is not secure, end quote. It is this vision of family that must be altered in black consciousness if we are to address the serious crisis in black life, page 73. Rather than working from a seriously flawed patriarchal model as the ideal, we need to address the real black family, which is diverse and acknowledge <laughs> positive possibilities that exist for transformation in all black family structures. I'm going to wait until we get to the end of the next paragraph to address Hitler. <laughs> if that's okay with you. Yeah. That, that was intriguing, that quote that she pulled from him. Like, oh, God. Yeah, no, when I was like, oh, my God, she's laying it down. Okay, but uh, so the beginning of this paragraph says the reality is this, and then it will start again. But I think we should get to this, to the end of this next paragraph, and then. Then we can, yeah, dissect the fuck out of this. Critical families are not safe, constructive places for the development of identities and kinships, kinship ties free of the crippling weight of domination. 
patriarchy is about domination rather than organize black families around the principle of authoritarian rule of the strong over the weak we can organize as some of us do our understanding of families around anti-patriarchal anti-authoritarian models that posit love as a central guiding principle recognizing love as the effort we make to create a context of growth emotional spiritual and intellectual families would emphasize mutual cooperation the value of negotiation processing and the sharing of resources embracing a feminist standpoint can serve as an inspiration for transforming the family as we now know it we need to have black scholars look at existing non-patriarchal black families to document the ways that they work better to share this knowledge with us rather than endlessly yeah. attacking single parent households particularly those headed by black females we need to call attention to those households that are non-patriarchal and show that they are sites for productive self-actualization for black adults and children even those black folks who continue to believe that the patriarchal family is the only healthy model are willing to acknowledge that homes characterized by male abuse of women and children are not more healthy than single parent families where love abides unfortunately these folks often refuse to see how widespread male domination and abuse is in the home or that patriarchal values promote the use of aggression and coercion while offering no model for change nathan mccall emphasizes the potential for abuse in black family life in makes me want to holler page 74. a two-parent home is no better off than a single parent one if the father is fucked up in the head and beaten down there's nothing more dangerous and destructive in a household than a frustrated oppressed black man yet mccall does not challenge patriarchy as an organizing principle in black family life we cannot end abuse in black family life without repudiating the patriarchal model okay so i uh so i really thought it was funny because there's two points in this book where i don't know if this person is actually going to read it and it's funny that she cut out the last one on the stream and that she said fucked up just now i was like i wonder if she's going to say fucked up so the next one the n-word does come up in bell hooks writing so i'm wondering how that is going to fly once we get to that point but i i at first wanted to say that that was hilarious um so <laughs> but um so getting to the hitler part um the hitler quote um i'll read that part of that the half of the paragraph um this is not the same notion of family as many nations sentimentally evoked by fascists and narrow nationalist thinkers the family hitler dreamed of when he declared and this is the quote from hitler if we say the world of the man is the state the world of the man is his commitment his struggle on behalf of the community we could then perhaps say that the world of the woman is a smaller world for her world is her husband, her family, her children, and her home. But where would the big world be if no one wanted to look after the small world? The big world cannot survive if the small world is not secure. 
And I find that to be trash because of the gender lines there where yeah. it's like, fuck you, Hitler, because the big world line of their connectedness while still promoting the subjugation of one over the other. Right. Um, and, and I'm here to tell you that regardless of your gender, the world of the state and community is every world. And of the uh, I don't. You're breaking up again. But the last part, you're breaking up again. But the last part of that paragraph goes into this specifically, saying that it is this vision of family that must be altered in Black consciousness if we are to address the serious crisis in Black life. Rather than working from a seriously flawed patriarchal model as the ideal, we need to address the real black family, which is diverse and acknowledge the positive possibilities that exist for transformation in all black family structures. So what she's basically saying is that the model of the nuclear family that Hitler is describing in this quote is directly influencing black consciousness that black people are living by white constructed ideals of family and that this is the reason that they are still being oppressed because while they still eat into this this bullshit they are they are not liberating themselves themselves because they are still seen as less than throughout society and then at the same time they are infighting with each other it is the classic divide and conquer because they are still living in a white mindset not to mention that framework, it's not working out for white people either. No, it's not. But it does affect the black community much more than because they're trying to fit into a system that doesn't work. And so and they're already not they're already not treated as equal still even now. And so obviously this does not work for anyone. But it especially makes it difficult for the black community to to initiate the rep the reparations that they deserve um and it also takes away the responsibility of becoming a self-actualized person there is um there is a lot of this that is not their fault and then there's a lot of this that they're still internalizing and that they are making it to where they cannot fight what is going on. It is the it is the responsibility of white people to realize what they have done and to educate themselves about racism. But at the same time, that's yep. not the reality that we live in. And so what needs to happen is to realize the sources of the things that you believe and whether those sources are white or not, because this patriarchy, that's white. White people made that. And everybody else is following along with this. And that's why, I mean, that's why Mao and who is that other? Sankari? Women hold up. Sankara. Thomas Sankara. Yeah. Um, yeah, women hold up the other half of the sky, or women hold up half the sky, whatever. Um, so that's that's the whole thing is that, um, they're 
there have been communist ideas presented, but at the same time, some of the men presenting them do not realize that their patriarchal ideas are what is holding the revolution back because they are not they're not presenting their women to be in the fight with them um and so we can until we realize the white colonization of sexism in our minds none of us are ever going to do anything to fix this yep that was a, a point of contention that i had with um a, a comrade from nigeria who got it when it came to communism on all these other levels when it came to you know the um ability to to have access to resources when it came to economics the whole fucking nine yards but i had to set in his tracks one day because he you know, was on this subservient like to be a comrade then maybe you should read these and i sent him some stuff from mouth from um kwame and crew mothers who who actually fucking talked about the fact that we cannot actually achieve a communist revolution unless it includes women's liberation and i was like you you seem to get it on all these other things but you're fucking losing it when it comes to gender politics because you're still adhering to this incredibly fucking ignorant view that women need to fucking subjugate themselves and, you know, just be submissive to men and know the fuck we don't. Um, um, if anything, men need to get the fuck over that fucking just delirious expectation and understand you're not going to actually fucking achieve anything revolutionary without women being on those front lines with you without non-men being on those front lines with you um because how can you say that you want a, a communist revolution for the liberation of people without considering that women and other non-men are also people i do have something and not go for it to say to that comment if you want to show it, that's fine. Um, the We have to take into account that it was the 1930s and 1940s, and that view was very popular in spite of Hitler saying it. I'm definitely not condoning Hitler, just trying to put it in perspective. I am not thinking that you're trying to condone what Hitler is saying here, and I do think that, I mean, it was very apt for her to use that as an example. But at the same time, we are almost 100 years after that, and I can tell you that it really does not matter if it was the 1930s or the 1940s, because there is a reason that I do not talk to pretty much any of my family, and that is because they are still teaching this. Yep. Christian, white Christian Republicans are still teaching this. Christian Heritage Academy yep. in Dell City, Oklahoma is still teaching this. This is not new, and we could go back to this very fucking quickly. And that's what's scary about it, is that this is still relevant. Um, and I've seen yeah. it firsthand. And I deal with the guilt every single day of not talking to my family, even if, though it's their fault. 
Well, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. Although I know Sam. Yeah, actually, so I don't know if it's the, we're almost through this first chapter. Um, so we should keep the emotions down. But <laughs> the other one's shorter, though. It's like eight minutes, or I mean, not eight minutes, eight pages. The other one's shorter. It's like half as long. But um, she does get into that eventually as well. Um, and so that actually kind of helps. Actually, she may have just said that. She did. Patriarchal fan. Oh, wait. You know what? I think she's about to say it. No, she already did. Okay. Sorry. There's so much shit. Um, no, the patriarchal, this is what did it for me. Patriarchal families are not safe, constructive places for the development of identities and kinship free of the crippling weight of domination. Um, yep. so I, I specifically deal with this because we can say that this is the 1930s and 1940s, but I, I know people personally and specifically Oklahoma city in general is filled with these people that still think this way. And that even when you leave, they still try to pull you back in constantly. And most of the time, the only thing that you can do is to just not even fucking talk to them at all. Um, so, yeah, uh, that did help me with a little bit of validation with that. But it's, it is not easy because this, this attitude still very much exists. And, and that's why Donald Trump existed. Um, and, and that's why we're still dealing with these things right now. Agreed. That one sentence right after the one you just read really hits. Patriarchy is about domination. Period. Plain and fucking simple. So if you seek liberation, that's a good spot to start is destroying the fucking patriarchy. Because it is 100 fucking percent about domination. You cannot achieve liberation while still adhering to a system of domination. What's the T word? What did I say? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what I don't you're know referring what the to. T word is. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wait for what the T word is and then we'll start again. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't yeah. like to get yeah, into that very often. I don't want to dwell on that, but um, I am very familiar with the Christian conservative manifest destiny yeah. mindset. I was raised with it. I was completely indoctrinated. So occasionally, yes, I will use the T word. Um, but I prefer to call him El Presidente Anaranjado or just the orange one. <laughs> but yeah. Um, sure. All right. This repudiation requires critical examination of the behaviors that are seen as affirming manhood within black life as well as in mainstream society. Males prove they are men by the exhibition of antisocial behavior, lack of consideration for the needs of others, refusal to communicate, unwillingness to show nurturance and care. Here, I'm not speaking about traits adult males cultivate 
I'm talking about the traits little boys learn early in life to associate with manhood and act out. Straight to the subject of John Stoltenberg's book, The End of Method, a book for men of conscience, which is full of great ideas, yet often written in an inaccessible manner. Stoltenberg offers the powerful insight that males and patriarchal patriarchy learn to value the assertion of manhood over all else, and that includes love of justice, sharing that this manhood is constantly determined by the dynamics of male interpersonal relationships. He contends, quote, when a man has decided to love manhood more, <laughs> there are predictable consequences in all his relationships with women. When a man remains loyal to other men's judgments on his manhood, any woman he relates to is set up to be a potential third party, and some truth he may need to transact with another man in order to pass in that other man's eyes as having an adequate manhood act. Page 75. Certainly black males know intimately that that aspect of homosocial bonding that is centered on measuring oneself against the standards set by other men. Usually this begins with boys measuring themselves against authoritarian adult males or boys with more status and power. Since most black men, along with most black women and children, are socialized to equate manhood with justice, the first issue on our agenda has to be individual and collective acknowledgement that justice and the integrity of the race must be defined by the extent to which black males and females have the freedom to be self-determining. Black freedom can never be measured by the extent to which black males gain the right to assert patriarchal power. Once this thinking is unlearned, black folks can begin to create a cultural climate where we can embrace an ethical commitment to freedom and justice that includes us all. When this happens, we make it possible for black males to break with patriarchal thinking that would deny justice to everyone, and we challenge them to open their hearts and minds to receive a redemptive vision of freedom. It is this love of justice that can transform black male consciousness. It can emerge only as black males refuse to play the game, refuse patriarchal definitions of manhood. Stoltenberg shares the insight that learning to live as a man of conscience is a matter of learning how to recognize those dynamics and deciding to keep the effects of these dynamics out of the way of your life. Learning to live as a man of conscience means deciding that your loyalty to the people whom you love is always more important than whatever lingering loyalty you may sometimes feel to other men's judgment on your manhood. Black male repudiation of the equation of patriarchal manhood with freedom would create a profound positive revolution in black life. Tragically, none of our powerful black male leaders for example, Malcolm X, who before his death had begun to think critically about the need to be disloyal to patriarchy, have offered this liberatory message to black communities, even if they have used this way of thinking to transform their lives. Page 76. Black males are afraid of being seen as 
pussy whipped by women, by other black men, by males or females who advocate feminist politics. Primarily, black straight men who are in recovery movements and or individual therapy are among those individuals daring both to critique traditionally sexist notions of black masculinity and to change their behaviors, but they do not yet have a public forum. These men must join in solidarity with black female comrades and make their voices heard. The crisis in black life has been created in part because of the continued support of patriarchy and the misguided paradigms for social change that emerge from the patriarchal mindset. Unless black folks, male and female, along with our allies in struggle, can rise to the challenge, dare to critique patriarchy as well as courageously to offer redemptive liberatory models for social change. Collectively, we will remain at an impasse, stuck, unable to move forward. Until challenging sexism is always on the agenda, we will remain unable to create a life-affirming, redemptive, transformational politics that would counter the rampant despair and sense of hopelessness in Black life. I just clean my glasses. Um, I love that she pointed out that um, harmful framework of being seen as pussy whipped uh, if if you're actually, I don't know, being a, a healthy male in a relationship with a woman. Um, it's It's another instance that I have had to confront with a friend who was bitching on a post about the behavior of a man who he was calling out, but failed to do so without saying, get your balls out of her purse. And I had to stop him, like, hold the fucking train, because you should be able to call out the actions and behaviors of another man without trying to blame it on whatever woman he's with. Um, he and only he is responsible for the things that he says, not whatever woman he's with. She's not his keeper. And that's just sexist. Um, you know, that's those things where it's another example of how ingrained this sexism has become, even in just common language and um, phrases, you know, that we've just gotten fucking used to hearing like get your balls out of her purse and it's like excuse me that is problematic um you know this whole notion of being pussy whipped if you're actually showing respect to a woman um it it's ridiculous it's fucking ridiculous and it it's nothing but a sign of fucking insecurities um you know people are out there airing their own fucking and insecurities when they say shit like that. Uh, I was just making sure. I didn't know. I just saw a random weird comment. 
So I was like, it's about to start and I would like to eat. So um, I'm not dealing with whatever stupid thing that is said today. Sometimes it's fun. Yep. Okay. I saw that. I was like, oh, um, yeah, I've noticed. Comments that start with. I feel like it's a mile like marker usually with the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Blocked whoever that was. Yeah. I was like, they're about to say no. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just had that feeling too of like, oh, it looks like another troll has entered the chat. I blocked him. I'm not in the mood. I'm There's only eight pages to this chapter, and um, it takes a minute before I've got highlights on that. Um, but yeah, it's shorter. So, but yeah, I'm not dealing with anybody. So, if you see another one, go ahead and block it because I'm not looking at that. Oh, I fully plan on it because our conversations have gotten too many times by fucking trolls. So I'm just at now that if I see anything indicative of trolling, they're just getting blocked right off the bat because it would be easier you know. if I was taking one chapter at a time, but we're not doing that yet. So I'm just I'm like we're at right. two hours. So if if I if we only did one chapter at a time, I would maybe laugh about something stupid but i don't want to do that right now well um, no it's a, to me it's a thing of if if the people who come trolling want to fucking their fucked views they can you no know, go spend the money to open their own restaurant and take the time to build their own podcasts to you know, go run their mouth on, or they can do like most people like them do and just turn on their phone sitting in their truck and go on rants, whatever. I don't care. I don't know. But I'm better, I'm done with I'm better at here. juggling it mentally. Sometimes they end up proving the point, but right now I'm just like, I, it's 9.15 and I would like to make some mac and cheese. Yeah. Also, as far as what you were referencing a moment ago, there's a few people here who were not here when we started and made the announcement. So um, tonight we are going to do two chapters as planned, but starting next week, we're going to split them up doing one chapter on Sunday nights and one chapter on Wednesday nights um, to keep it shorter to about an hour and a half. It'll be a little easier for us and for you guys following along um, as well as, you know, more digestible for any newcomers who might be interested in checking out what we have to say we we feel like they would be more likely to say you know click on a recording if it's an hour and a half not three hours or five hours so um we are trying to be mindful of that um so we'll be starting that up this coming sunday uh if you guys want to mark that one on your calendars uh as for now we are on page 77. This essay is called The Integrity of Black Womanhood. Um, so if you want to go ahead and hit play, Chelsea, that would be dope. End of essay six. Page 77, essay seven. The Integrity of Black Womanhood. Challenging and changing the devaluation of Black womanhood in this society is central to any effort to end racism. As early as 1887, Black women activist Ida B. Wells wrote an article titled, Our Women, 
which appeared in the newspaper, New York Freeman, in which she emphasized the way white supremacist degradation of black womanhood served to undermine anti-racist struggle. Wells declared, quote, among the many things that have transpired to dishearten the Negroes in their efforts to attain a level in the status of civilized races has been the wholesale contemptuous defamation of black women, end quote, particularly concerned about the attacks on black women's morality. Wells suggested that within the sphere of white supremacy, supremacist assault on black womanhood, nothing was as hurtful quite as deeply and keenly as the taunts of immorality, the jest and sneer with which our women are spoken of, and the utter incapacity of refusal to believe there are among us mothers, wives, and maidens who have a noble and refining womanhood. When I published my first feminist book in 1981, Ain't I a Woman? Black Women and Feminism, I included a chapter called continued devaluation of black womanhood, page 78, calling attention to the way in which myths and stereotypes used to characterize black womanhood have their roots in negative anti-woman woman mythology. I stressed that these negative standpoints form the basis of most critical inquiry into the nature of black female experience devaluation of black womanhood is central to the maintenance of white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. Um, this, this paragraph really, really fucking hits on a few important things. Um, I'm going to rewind here where she said, particularly concerned about the attacks on women's morality, Wells suggested that within the sphere of white supremacist assault on black womanhood, nothing was as hurtful quite as deeply and keenly as the taunt of immorality, the jest and sneer with which our women are spoken of, and the utter incapacity or refusal to believe there are among us mothers, wives, and maidens who have attained a true, noble, and refining womanhood. Um, this... This is also something that I was recently reading up on as far as the historical context, that from the moment that white colonizers started sexualizing black women's bodies and doing things like taking black women back to Europe to put on fucking show, like, damn, look at that booty type shit, this has gone hand in hand with then um, a very racist and sexist perspective of white society looking at black women as uh, lacking in morality when really it's the white men who are sexualizing black women's bodies that are failing when it comes to morality and ethics, which I put in in a higher esteem than any morality because morality changes with beliefs. Ethics don't change. They are based in rights, plain and simple. And this is another fucking deep harm being caused by the combination of sexism and racism that still to this day, this is something that's even fed like in music, referring back even to what I was just 
you know, describing earlier with um, the ingraining of self-hatred. And a big part of that can be found in music of black women constantly being referred to as like bitches and hoes and all this other shit. Um, it's, it's self-defamation happening uh, in, in a lot of these, you know, situations that is completely based in white supremacy and sexism and the downright sexualization of black women and girls by white men. Um, I feel like, okay, so I don't normally listen to this kind of music just in general because it's like radio music, not because it's like hip hop or rap because there's some good of that that's not on the radio. But honestly, I don't know if this song's on the radio either. It's Rumors by Cardi B and uh, Lizzo. Um, and you can see that black women are embracing the fuck you, sure, I'm a slut kind of attitude, um, which white women have had to do to an extent also, but like you can see that it's actually playing out now. So, uh, with, with women in black music and things like that, and with like Snoop Dogg specifically talking about, um, wet ass pussy. Um, I saw um, his comments on that and how much it's just too much. Um, and and you see now that, that black women are doing the same things that, I mean, white women did them, but they kind of took it out of the hands of black women in a way. Uh, so I'm not trying to compare it, but like you, you can see that it's it's moving forward in that way. Where, um, I mean, I am very familiar with the whole thing of, like, sure, yes, I am a cunt. And that's totally fine, because that's my favorite word. So, right. Um, so it, it's kind of the same mentality. And um, so, yeah. Well, it, it also touches on what Belle was speaking of in the last chapter of um, that patriarchal influence there and women subjugating themselves to that because even the roots of this before it you know became popular for women to be in rap and pop of this nature this is shit that we saw first come out of men's mouths like i don't know if y'all have ever listened to esham but it makes me want to throat punch him and kick him in the fucking balls at the same time because he is an absolute sexist fucking pig. Um, and that's something I didn't even recognize as a kid listening to his music. And not too long ago, heard some more than yet. Easy E too. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like I'm reading yeah. this and I'm like, yeah, this, this happens all the time. And I mean, it happens in country music too. So I'm not saying that white people did not start this. But, like, you see these women, like, it's fine to call them all these things. And then once they actually start talking about their own pussies and they start saying, like, yeah, I fucked all these people, then all these other rappers are like, no, that's too far. And you're just like, are you? Right. (laughs) I mean, I I find it kind of funny. Now, granted, part of it is, you know, 
he is 25, 30 years older than he was when he started. But for Snoop to be calling it out when, if you listen to Snoop's oldest music, you will hear a lot of sexist shit in there too, which also didn't fucking register as a kid listening to it. I was just jamming out like, I dig this, you know? Um, yeah. But anymore, when it comes to actually listening to, you know, what is being spoken in the lyrics, I have an even greater appreciation for artists like Tupac, who actually had a message and good things to say. Um, and he clearly fucking spoke out, out against sexism, just as he did against racism in his music. Um, so, like, you can see the world of difference there between shit, like what Easy e was saying, that was total fucking defamation of women, versus things that Tupac was saying, like, only women can create life, therefore, who the fuck is a man to tell a woman where and when she can come? Um, things like that, of being very pro-choice, clearly. Um, you know, that... I wish we had more Tupacs in the world. I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, there's there's a lot of this that is absolutely, it was built in and created in uh, white supremacist racism from fucking centuries. But you still see its after effects in today's society, both, you know, the, the patriarchal fucking leading that path women going yeah that's cool and fucking totally you know just ragging on them as if it's a compliment and it's not it's you know it's one thing to be like yeah i'm a slut because um of recognizing that there's nothing fucking wrong with actually having a sex life that involves more than one other fucking person for fuck's sake you know um it's another thing to you know basically be just insulting yourself um are we ready to go again yeah go for it i mean i get that it's just in the time that she's writing this it's not really there yet so <laughs> Right, right. She, when she was writing this is when I was still fucking bopping my head to Easy e Because I was like 12 or 13. I forget what year she wrote this, but I think it was 94 or 95. Yeah. We we had no... Uh, it was oh, 96 when it was published. So I was probably like five when she was writing it in 95. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going again. Um, Yes. Hold on. Before you do that, that fucking song, bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks lick on the nuts and suck the dicks. That shit, that shit right there. That is precisely what the fuck I'm talking about. That song makes me want to retch. And yes, agreed. Scott, virginity is an archaic concept. And pop that up here. Well, and also with the uh, last comment from Scott specifically, uh, I think people grow and get better when they choose to. Uh, and a lot of the time they yeah. don't. So I really don't think that's a nice thought. 
Right. Um, which I can appreciate that about Snoop. I just find it funny that while calling out WAP, he didn't call out his own music from the 90s. Yeah, I mean, the, that's because he's a sexist who doesn't bring up his own dealings with murder, which is also white people's fault. But still. It all goes back to white supremacy. It's just how deeply those ideals have been ingrained. Um, and another point to to fucking highlight the police decolonize your mind, um, because these things have then become self-ingraining of like, you know, I ah, I do not know how to express how frustrating I find this that those types of ideals have been pushed so hard by white supremacists that it just seems like it's fucking normal to everyone they're oppressing. Oh, I mean, yeah, they totally think that it's normal. Like, I mean, my mother, my mother thinks that I'm mad at her because I'm, a... I don't know what she thinks I am. She thinks I'm a heathen bitch. Um, but, uh, they, they definitely don't see, like, even when you tell them, um, that it's very easy for them to say certain things because they don't have to live them or they don't understand other concepts of morality or that, um, or that morality does not really exist in the capacity that they believe that it does. Um, there, there is a lot more to morality in their minds than actually is existing. Um, really all they're perpetuating is guilt. Um, and that, I mean, and people and victimization as she has talked about this entire time, um, throughout many of these essays. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, they really cannot see where they're going wrong because they have so much guilt and victimization in their own minds that they cannot move themselves past it to see from someone else's perspective. Or they are afraid of people that no longer hold that guilt or at least not let it control them, even if it does still linger in their minds. Yeah. Agreed. Um, are we ready? Yep. End of track three. Reading resumes on page 78. To continue, turn the cassette over. Page 75. <laughs> A sound on the one hand by white patriarchy and on... Wait, what? Did that just fucking skip? The whole rest of that page, once again, at a flip the tape moment. We stopped at the white supremacist, white supremacist capital space. So there's that whole paragraph. So yep. Oh, yep. It. it sure as fuck did. So here's another moment of this shit fucking software editing out some very important shit. So since that bitch don't want to read this paragraph, I'll go ahead and do so. 
Black women active in the struggle for Black liberation and all social movements advocating women's rights, both in the past and in the present, have continually resisted this devaluation. Our resistance has intensified as we have struggled to place transforming cultural attitudes about the representation of Black women on the agendas of both Black liberation movement and contemporary feminist movement. Indeed, militant Black female resistance to racist and sexist representations of our reality gained momentum as individual Black women asserted leadership in both the production of feminist theory and feminist political practice. Working to critically interrogate and challenge racist and sexist representations, revolutionary feminist Black women have offered to all Black people and everyone else a progressive, anti-racist, anti-sexist standpoint that fundamentally alters old ways of thinking about Black female reality. Though well-received by Black women who are struggling to decolonize their minds and educate themselves for political consciousness and our allies in struggle, these resistance efforts are continually undermined by white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal assaults on Black womanhood. Those assaults evident in the mass media which continue to as the primary propaganda machine for the dissemination of white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal thought and values. And once again, I'm not surprised that the haters that recorded this fucking left that paragraph out because what does it do once again? Puts the responsibility back on white supremacists it's speaking of empowerment of black women, not just in the women's struggle, but politics across the fucking board. And I tell you, she's probably referencing a lot of the women who made up 70%, mind you, of the Black Panther Party. Because that's who that makes me think of. You know, this, this came... A couple decades after that, when those actions had had a moment to start to resonate with society. And for for them to try to leave this fucking paragraph out once again pisses me off. I'm sure you have some thoughts on it too, Chelsea, because this I know this shit's been angering you too when they go and fucking just skip entire sections like that that absolutely are essential to the conversation um i mean i i did not highlight part of that paragraph uh i read it today um but no i'm not surprised that this is happening for the second time um learningally.com makes you pay 135 dollars to listen to uh, their audiobooks. This is the only place that we could find this audiobook specifically. And so uh, our friend Wade uh, sent us the money to be able to do this. Um, and then once I had signed up for it, um, it said that I had 90 days to prove that I was that I had a mental disability for giving them $135. And then, um, so I only have three months on this. Um, 
which is weird that you that you have to do that, especially for as expensive as it is. Um, and then it is purposely leaving things out um, in a site that is specifically apparently for people that are mentally disabled, that have learning disabilities. Um, and it's not a very easy website to access either. Um, and you cannot just cancel your account and get your money back in the time that it says you have to, you actually have to sit down and call them, which uh, I just decided to not do because fuck it. Um, but yeah, uh, I think they were um, going to try to get into a censorship um, session in the stream soon, and uh, this will likely be part of it. Absolutely, it needs to be because this is a site that's supposed to be for accessibility. And not only is the software not fucking user-friendly and a pain in the dick when I don't even have one, but it does like this, where if someone didn't have a hard copy of the book right in front of them, they wouldn't know that there are entire pages fucking missing from the audio book. This is fucked up. Um, and I just saw that um, Natalie said that my my signal was cutting out. So I don't know if you guys didn't hear all of that paragraph. Chelsea, what I can hear? understand is just me. And honestly, that was why I wanted to be reading the paragraph. But. Um, please do just in case. Because um, if they missed any of that, then it would lose some context. My partner is a programmer, so the internet does not go out. Um, right. I, no, I mean, I unless someone right now says that they need the paragraph reread, then I'm not going to reread it. Okay, can you guys let us know if you heard all of that paragraph or if... I was cutting out during reading that. I don't care if I was cutting out during my ranting afterwards, but I want to make sure you guys heard the the whole. Okay, so out. I can reread it. Um, okay, my connection is fine. Oh, so, I mean, he says he got it. Um, oh, Natalie said her Wi-Fi was cutting out. All right, I'll I'll just reread it, uh, okay. and then I'll hit play. We won't have to cover anything again. I'll just hit play again. Okay. It's not that big of a deal. We're already at two and a half hours. So, I mean, there's only a few pages left anyway. Right. We were anticipating this one to be a three hour show again because of having two chapters scheduled tonight. Um, it so won't be this way fine. again. So it doesn't, it's cool. Um, right. Black women active in the struggle for black liberation and all social movements advocating women's rights, both in the past and in the present have continually resisted this devaluation. Our resistance has intensified as we have struggled to replace transforming cultural attitudes about the representation of black women on the agendas of both black liberation movement and contemporary feminist movement. Indeed, militant black female resistance to racist and sexist representations of a reality gained momentum as individual black women asserted leadership in both the production of feminist theory and feminist political practice. Working to critically interrogate and challenge racist, sexist representations, revolutionary feminist Black women have offered to all Black people and everyone else a progressive, anti-racist, anti-sexist standpoint that fundamentally alters old ways of thinking about Black female reality. 
Though well received by black women who are struggling to decolonize their minds and educate themselves for political consciousness and our allies in struggle, these resistance efforts are continually undermined by white supremacist capitalist patriarchal er, assaults on black womanhood. Those assaults are evident in the mass media, which continue to serve as the primary propaganda machine for the dissemination of white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal thought and values. Um, and I will hit right on for this. And we are on page 79. The other hand, by sexist black men and racist white women. Black women must be. I rewinded. End of Black 3. Reading resumes on page 78. To continue, turn the cassette over. Page 79. Assailed on the one hand by white patriarchy and on the other hand by sexist black men and racist white women, black women must be ever vigilant in our struggle to challenge and transform the devaluation of black womanhood. Those of us who advocate feminist politics must continually counter representations of our reality that depict us as race traitors. Throughout our history in the United States, patriarchal black nationalism has consistently represented any black female who dares to question sexism and misogyny as a betrayer of the race. From its inception, this thinking has overlapped with assumptions about black womanhood perpetuated by white supremacist thought. For example, notions that black women are somehow more inherently treacherous, devious, lacking in morality and ethics than male counterparts, that we derive benefits and privileges from patriarchy because we are somehow, as sexist thinking would have it, inherently predisposed on the basis of our gender to lie, cheat, and betray. These negative stereotypes about black womanhood usually shape the way we are represented in mainstream mass media. <laughs> Consequently, a suspicious light is almost always cast on the achievements of individual black women who become self-determining despite the barriers created by institutionalized structures of domination, by race, sex, and class exploitation and or oppression. Most recently, in the wake of an overall attack on feminist politics in our society, Black women are once again represented in mainstream media as liars, as lacking in ethical and moral values, as potential traitors. Liberal white male patriarchy has promoted this devaluation as much as its conservative counterpart. The most recent examples of the assault on black womanhood emerge from the heart of American government, the defamation of Anita Hill's character during the Clarence Thomas hearings, President Clinton's refusal to support the appointment of civil rights attorney Lanny Guinier, and his insistence that Joycelyn Elders resign her position as Surgeon General. Page 80. These three cases have received global attention. In each one, these black women are represented as liars, as uppity, disobedient, and disloyal, and out of control. Mainstream mass media would have the world believe that no systematic genocidal assault on black womanhood exists in the United States, that black women are our own worst enemies. Often white racists are joined in this devaluation of black womanhood by sexist black male peers who continue to act as though all efforts on the part of black women to assert liberatory agency in our lives are really attacks on black manhood acts of betrayal that are meant to keep the black male down. Orlando Patterson's essay, Blacklash, is a fine example of this type of thinking. 
While this essay purports to address the gender crisis among African Americans, Patterson cannot approach his topic without first diminishing the work of black women by suggesting that contemporary African American feminist thought has badly obscured our understanding of gender relations. Throughout his piece, he pits black women and men against one another in an effort to reiterate the sexist, racist assumption that first appeared in the white supremacist rhetoric of slavery, which claimed that black women, because of their gender, are more likely to be given privileges and benefits in the existing social structure. It was this thinking that was expressed in the old time folk saying, a nigger woman and a white man are the freest things on this earth. Embedded in such thinking is a misogynist assumption that biology gives black females an advantage since they can appeal to the sexual licentiousness of white men to negotiate advancement. This may seem like a networking edge to black males who are mired in sexist thinking, but it is simply exploitation in the minds of most black women. I didn't, hi I didn't highlight any of this, but I, I wondered if she was going to say <laughs> Oh, she was comfortable saying fucked in the head, so I figured it was at least a 50 chance. And saying fucked is not the same thing as saying the N-word. No, <laughs> no, it's not. I. That's why I said <laughs> well, I assumed I was there was at least a 50 chance because she was willing to curse. I was you know, not because they were comparable at all. She was going to do but, it, and she totally did it. And so, okay, I was like, whatever. Uh, all right. I guess if you're a narrator, it's okay to say the N-word. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know how many times I don't think um, was I... dropped in Bobby Seal's book, He's the Time. When Rob and I were reading that one for those book club segments, we did not say it. <laughs> we would say the N-word. We would hit the bleep noise on like the the sound share you know on here and literally make it go bloop or we would say studio edit um it it didn't matter that we were reading someone else's words you were not going to hear that word fall out of our mouths just not happening um but can you go ahead and this bitch care, really um, uh that one what's that can you go ahead and take care of that one Uh, what do we have a, a fucking troll? Biden is a loser. Oh, uh, just Biden, said, is, Biden a is a loser. Well, Biden is a loser. <laughs> Biden is so a is Trump. And so is his vice president. So we can go ahead and block that one for sure. And also, this thread has nothing well, to do with Biden, but right it, it has nothing to do with biden Un unless you want to point out biden's fucking extremely racist fucking crime that actually thing. again plays into this because um his vice president is a black woman that validates all of these problems but block him i'm not down with this i'm hungry i need food i'm dying <laughs> well I'm not going to block him yet because I actually agree with him on Biden as a loser. I'm going to see what else tech voodoo has to say uh, if they're actually. I just know. Or... I just know someone grasping when I see it. So let's go. I'm going to hit play. Um, go ahead and hit play. Yeah. Page eighty-one. 
since contemporary feminist movement began and created more of a cultural space for feminist black female voices to come out of the shadows and be heard, a space for more of us to gain access to power and privilege within the existing social structure, sexist black men have felt threatened. Yet they do not present the threat as a challenge to the patriarchal mindset they refuse to give up, but rather represent black women engaged in feminist politics as usurping benefits and privileges that if bestowed exclusively on black men would benefit racial uplift. The notion that somehow black males are more committed to racial uplift and black liberation struggle than their female counterparts is an idea that has its foundation in patriarchal assumptions of gender values. Black women's roles and struggles for black liberation have always been and continue to be subordinated to those of black males. Sexist black men and their female allies want to keep it that way. They have no difficulty supporting those white men and women who promote gender divisiveness among black people who pit black women and men against one another. Concurrently, in separatist black nationalist locations, black women are continually represented as race traitors who must be disciplined and kept in place by strong, non-emasculated black men. Haley Jerima's popular film, Sankofa, gave viewers an Afrocentric representation of the betraying black woman who redeems herself when she submits to re-education by a strong black male teacher healer. In the same film, the biracial black male, child of a strong black mother and the white colonizer, can assume his rightful place as warrior, challenging the system only after he murders the black female matriarch. Again and again, the rhetoric of black nationalism, which supports patriarchy, suggests that the death of strong black women, whether literal or symbolic, is needed for the redemption of black masculinity, which is then made synonymous with redemption of the race. This is shit is gnarly. Um, <laughs> so it's just amazing to see her draw all of these conclusions in this lack of logic in cultural thinking specifically because black men are more likely to listen to white men that have subjugated and oppressed them and put them into slavery for hundreds of years then they are willing to listen to the black woman next to them and the last part specifically saying again and again the rhetoric of black nationalism which supports patriarchy suggests that the death of a strong black woman whether literal or symbolic is needed for the redemption of black masculinity which is then made synonymous with redemption of the race you are, you, like are, you are you are you are simultaneous like you're killing your own race and your own culture when you adopt this mindset and they still trust the white colonizers at the same time that tell them that they are left but now we have this illusion of equality between both men and women and other races and white people that just really does not exist and never has um, but it's just amazing to see her draw this logic in the way that you're actually killing your race and your culture because you think that you have to play some kind of dick pissing contest all of the time. Um, 
these types of ideals are precisely why there was a huge rift between the Black Panther Party and Black nationalists, because um, the Black Panther Party drew a very hard line there against the types of sexism happening there that a lot of Black nationalists adhered to because of religious ideology. Um, and it, it literally pushed things to, um, a point of like them completely disallowing anybody who, you know, had sexist viewpoints in the party. If you did not fucking self crit and grow in response to being called out on being sexist, you were booted. Um, because they understood exactly what Bell is talking about here that you can't fucking be that way and actually achieve liberation. You cannot fucking resort to domination, especially one that's been taught to you by white supremacy. Well, and specifically also, I just now thought of this, and this is sort of unrelated, but it was like more related back when I first started bringing up the trans non-binary thing. But I think that this is like, this actually hits on why um, trans and non-binary people are not accepted um, more often in minority communities than white communities. Because, like, while we still all face discrimination no matter who we are, like, if you're if you're not a white person and you are trans non-binary um, or even gay or lesbian, you are also considered a race traitor and you are also considered to not be... Um, advancing the race and i feel like the reason that it's much easier for white people uh not completely easy but easier um to accept trans and non-binary people is because white people don't need to continue to dominate and conquest as much anymore because it's already it's already happening it's already set in place for hundreds maybe thousands of years um and so we don't feel as threatened by that. Um, the only people that feel threatened by that are like religious people and things like that, um, that think that there's actually any chance of Christianity and patriarchy being dismantled anytime soon. Um, I would like to think that this is possible, but I don't think that it will happen anytime soon. Um, but um, it seems as though that pressure is much more applied to people that are living in minority populations that think that maybe the more they procreate or maybe the more they act the way that white people have with the systems that they set in place, that they would finally reach this, this moment of being treated as a human being. But I can start yeah, again if you want me to. Fucking just sad seeing all of these fucking ramifications of white supremacy. I can't believe she's tying it all together. This is amazing. But um, you want me to start again? I can. <laughs> and I'm loving the way she's doing it. Um, yeah. She got it decades before um, the woke thing started of people going, wait a minute, you really do need to wake up and understand how all of these things are different facets of the same fucking problem thus intersection she, she got intersectionality huh? she did 
I said she yeah. did get intersectionality. Yeah. I said we're four, we're four pages away. Okay. And I have more highlighted, so I don't. I'm not surprised. Page 82. All the recent mass media focus on black males, labeling them as an endangered species, reinscribes white supremacist capitalist patriarchal scapegoating of black womanhood by the constant insistence that black women are to blame for the dilemmas black males face and not white supremacy and or patriarchy. Whether it is a small academic journal like Transition, publishing articles with undocumented data that suggest black professional women are earning more than black men, or a similar representation in the magazine section of the New York Times, the message is the same. Black women are gaining benefits at the expense of black men. Such thinking promotes divisiveness between black women and men. It continues racist, sexist devaluation of black women, as well as condoning violent repression as a means of keeping uppity black women in check. This assault is usually overtly directed at professional black women, yet it converges with the more vicious, sustained, and insidious assault on single black mothers, especially those who receive welfare. Before Daniel Patrick Moynihan launched his patriarchal attack on black women in 1960, when he prepared a report for President Johnson's War on Poverty, which blamed black female-headed households for the dilemmas black males faced in the society and not racist assault, sexist black men from slavery times on had created a paradigm for black racial uplift that was fundamentally based on the assumption that acquisition of patriarchal power and privilege was the standard by which black liberation would be judged. Recent mass media focus on black female-headed households reinscribes Moynihan's perspective. Once again, black Black feminist thinkers and our allies in struggle must militantly challenge sexist, racist representation that would have everyone believe that black women are responsible for the many dilemmas black families are facing. Black women are blamed for poverty, joblessness, black male aggression, and violence both inside and outside the home. Page 83. Drawing on the work of black women scholars who have consistently critiqued Moynihan's notion of black matriarchy, feminist activists in the recently published anthology, The Coming of Black Genocide, launch a fresh critique of this racist sexist doctrine, calling attention to the fact that it converged with black male sexist thought. Quote, Another reason that Moynihan-ism never died is that it played on the chords of sexism within the black community. Don't forget that the White House only agreed to risk that public conference because Moynihan had gotten private agreement for many black male leaders. His sexist theories about the harmful black matriarchy were borrowed A to Z from the writings of black sociologist E. Franklin Fraser of Howard University. Even that zingy line that most angered black women of their families being only a tangle of pathology was only Moynihan quoting E. Franklin Fraser omission. Moynihanism was a last grope by the patriarchal ruling class to explore a sucker's alliance with black Borgie men against black women and children. Borgie, B-O-U-R-G-I-E. Bougie. Just a white thing. Why does she keep saying it like that? 
currently. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't understand the word is French and we are as silent. It's busy. Okay, we can't cough and talk. With black boys against black women and children. Borgie, B O U R G I E. It wasn't just a white thing, unquote. Oh God! You had to rewind it. You're doing it. She says it wasn't just a white. I'm just gonna. You know what? I'll just. I'll just <laughs> read the rest of this. There's like. No, I won't. Okay. She said it wasn't just a white thing. Yeah, well, then you kept going after that. And so now I have to rewind it again. So we get to say her say Borgie and then spell it again. <laughs> I thought she did it intentionally no, for emphasis she on didn't. inability she didn't to read. how to say bougie or bourgeois or what? I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> If you're going to have another reaction, please just mute yourself. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. No, the second time was me reacting to thinking you did it intentionally just to highlight her stupidity. No, I, I had to rewind it the first time and then you did it. I know that I snorted, but it didn't take away. And then you, okay, we're, I, I've got to eat. Okay. We're doing okay. Hit okay. by any. <laughs> to explore a sucker's alliance with black Borgi men against black women and children. Borgi, B-O-U-R-G-I-E. It wasn't just a white thing, unquote. Currently, conservative and liberal sexist black male political leaders and scholars are primary advocates of a reformist patriarchal vision of racial uplift that not only scapegoats black women, particularly black single mothers, but aggressively works to deny welfare benefits. Their sexism and misogyny is once again masked by a polemical rhetoric of care and concern about black families. In her excellent work, The Rising Song of African American Women, insurgent black woman intellectual and activist Barbara Omelade offers a critical analysis of this assault on black womanhood from both within black community and without in her chapter, It's a Family Affair, pointing out that black women who do need welfare are subjected to a system whose implicit assumption is that it's a crime for men not to support women and children and for women not to force men to support them. Page 84. That system blames black women for allowing men to impregnate them without benefit of marriage or money. Welfare policies confuse the economic issue of how to support a family with the personal issues of sexuality and procreation. And this confusion shapes the perception of black female headed households as lacking men rather than money. Concurrently, embedded in all the critiques of black female-headed households is the assumption that somehow these individuals are actively seeking to prevent black men from assuming the roles patriarchal masculinity would have them perform. Okay, so I am, I meant to stop at the money part, but I stopped at a sentence. Um, I, I, liked Scott, I liked Scott's comment. She has no issue pronouncing the n-word but she has trouble with bougie um 
or bourgeois, like what? It was borgy. What is a borgy? I don't. I'm still confused. Okay. Um. So, I liked the quotes. Um. Oh, Black women who do need welfare are subjected to a system whose implicit assumption is that it's a crime for men to for men not to support women and children and for women not to force men to support them. That system blames Black women for allowing men to impregnate them without benefit of marriage or money. Welfare policies confuse the economic issue of how to support a family with the personal issues of sexuality and procreation and this confusion shapes the perception of black female-headed households as lacking men rather than money. Which only reinforces that toxic masculinity of patriarchy of man equal money. No wonder there's so many dudes who are well, And specifically, and allowing is in quotations allowing men to impregnate them right. without benefit of marriage or money as if the only place that we should be having sex or having babies is if we are under the authority of someone else and right if we are not under the authority of someone else we also fucking suck and we also should just keep it and we also should not ask for welfare. We should also just suffer and die in a fucking field because that's our own fucking fault. Because individualism right. is a disease. Um, should And these are things, honestly, that happen to women across the board, no matter what their race is, but specifically black women are blamed for playing the same game that everybody else is fucking playing. Right. But yeah, I can start again. It's it's fucked. It's inherently fucked all the way around. In actuality, the absence of adult black male presence in female-headed households as either providers or authority figures does not mean that patriarchal thinking and overvaluation of maleness are not the norm in those domestic households. Single black women raised in this society have internalized sexist thinking as much as any other group. The fact that economic circumstance coupled with planned or unplanned pregnancies may lead them to head households does not mean that they do not support male domination or teach patriarchal values to their children. In fact, the vast majority of black male children raised in such environments offer poignant, passionate testimony about the way they are socialized by single black mothers to embrace patriarchal notions of masculinity, whether they can realistically actualize these identities or not. For the most part, liberal and radical black women active in feminist movement have not joined together to embrace those forms of feminist activism that would effectively challenge white supremacist capitalist patriarchy's assault on single black mothers. Page 85. Unfortunately, too many of these women hold bourgeois values and are suspicious and condemnatory of poor black women as their male counterparts. Needless to say, the masses of white women who had no difficulty championing Anita Hill when she rightly exposed Clarence Thomas as a sexual harasser 
a case they felt was tied to their own class interests and feminist concerns, offer little activist zeal to challenge and counter the denigration of poor single mothers, especially black females. Until progressive women and men engaged in anti-racist, anti-sexist work fully recognize that continued devaluation of black womanhood undermines these struggles, neither movement can progress. We must vigilantly challenge negative representations of black women, understanding that they both shape public policy and determine attitudes towards us in everyday life. All too often, progressive white women and men who are committed to a feminist vision fall prey to liberal sentimental overvaluing of black male pain in ways that lead them to accept sexist behavior from this group that they would rigorously challenge in interactions with white peers. These folks often stand idly by as sexist black men assault the dignity and integrity of black womanhood. Concurrently, those individual black males who have embraced feminist politics in ways that enable them to divest of both sexist thinking and action must play a primary role in challenging sexist representations of black womanhood, particularly those that are created by black male leaders and thinkers who have access to mass media. All black females gain when we challenge the continued devaluation of black womanhood. The struggle black women began in the 19th century to challenge and transform white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal ways of seeing black womanhood must continue. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they misunderstood about what I was saying. I feel like you understood it, but I don't know what Scott is saying, and I don't know. And no, Natalie, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the blame of women that need welfare in that situation are they are always blamed for not having the man there. Um, right. Even though you cannot predict someone's actions, you can't predict why a relationship doesn't work, um, and you don't really, you don't take into account that we as a society have to take care of each other. And so individualism is a disease because it's acting like individual black people's actions, but also as a whole is the fault of them themselves. And it's acting as though black male or male in general decisions um, are the fault of the women that they are with. Um, which is not the case. And it really doesn't matter if you're left to raise a child by yourself or if the father just suddenly somehow randomly dies or something. Like, you know, I mean, we should take into account these things that happen in families no matter what the issue is. Um, and specifically, people are only blaming um, Black women for these things when these things happen across the board for every race, these are every race has a patriarchal standard that is set in place for them. But the media and sometimes academia blames black women for these ills of society when they're really going through the exact same things as anybody else is. Right. And like she had pointed out previously, um, that it this system is blaming black women for not forcing men to provide for them as if that's even feasible 
because none of us have the capacity to control what any fucking buddy else does. Um, you I can't can make that. Somebody- I can read that bit again just to also clarify. I, I don't know what where the confusion came from. Um, I don't know if that would help, but. I mean, you read it, you're reading it, and you knew what I meant. I don't know what I, I'm like, I swear to God, we're not saying anything bad. Um. (laughs) It's just a matter of, like I said in the comment replying there, um, that it's fucked up to demonize black women for whether or not a man was heading their family. Um, But the problem of it is these last two essays. So that was the end of everything for tonight, just as far as the reading is concerned. Um, but that was basically what she was going through the whole time is that white supremacy has put this patriarchal, uh, structure into place for families. And so when integration happened, um, the black community started to try to integrate themselves into the same sort of structure. But the problem is that the white structure does not work. And the problem is, is that whenever something goes wrong with the white structure, that they are blaming black people that are following that same white structure and acting like they are the source of the problem. When in reality, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, It's the same thing that any person that is, you know, at a poverty level or in a middle class level deals with. Um, So the issues of personal relationships are the same is what I'm saying. But the issues of, of needing help and needing, um, community, uh, black women specifically are blamed much more often. Um, and whenever they have issues, they act as though it's because there's not a man in the house instead of acknowledging the fact that our economy and our social system does not promote personal growth. Also, while not acknowledging that the majority of people on welfare are poor whites. Well, and, and that's true. Yes. But the majority of homeless are whites, but I mean that single white mom. But I mean that partly has to do with population and um also at the same time, I mean, yeah. We're not taking class into account on these well, things. Even even on a per capita basis, the percentages are still way higher. Like the majority of people on welfare are white, you know. Um, but we still see so many fucking, especially like white supremacist assholes, um, trying to basically blame women of color specifically for the welfare system. When, when they say welfare queens, there is one race and class they are specifically fucking referring to. And it's not the majority white women who are on welfare. They're not talking about them. They're okay with them being on welfare. They're well, I don't know. I still, I still hear anything. I, I still hear everything bad about welfare. Everybody thinks that everybody should just do everything themselves and that they shouldn't have to help anything. Um, until we're dropping bombs and then we should all get together and act like we care about each other. (sighs) Which is actually a fine moment to point out the total difference in attitude 
towards um, immigrants fleeing war in brown and black countries versus immigrants fleeing war right now in Ukraine. Um, especially considering the specific context of black people being blocked from leaving. Um, it, it shows you who both the fucking Republicans and Democrats are more than happy to help and who they're not. And it's still operating on systemic racism. Um, well, I don't have anything else to add unless, um, I was just going to read Natalie's comment here that Reaganism helped demonize our black sisters as welfare Queens. Yep. Absolutely. Um, while Reaganism was destroying black women, the CIA was destroying black men, um, and pumping crack into the neighborhoods. I mean, it, it is a fucking all out assault, on the black community that's been happening here for the entirety of the history of this fucked up country. And I, I, I say specifically that because before this country existed and before this land was colonized, um, indigenous tribes lived communally, collectively. They had communism before communism was a fucking term. Um, and this type of shit didn't fucking happen. But uh, as soon as this became a colony and then the United States, uh, white people couldn't help but bring their fucked up shit with them as far as white supremacy goes. And uh, this act, perpetual act of demonizing people with pigment for every little thing that they can fucking try to justify judging and they forget that every time they point that finger, they got three more pointing back at themselves. And yes, Scott, people lived under communism for tens of thousands of fucking years because communism is sustainable. Capitalism's not. Capitalism is completely fucking dependent on all of these other facets we're discussing of racism and sexism, the colonialization, um, all of those things. Capitalism is dependent on those things, keeping people fucking divided and downtrodden in order for capitalism to continue. And yes, capitalism requires continuous growth. It is a cancer. It feeds off of you and will continue to fucking, it expects to just be allowed uncontrolled growth. And that means perpetually lower wages in comparison to the cost of living skyrocketing. Um, things like that. That uh, <sighs> Shit just gets more and more fucked until capitalism implodes on itself. And that's what we're seeing happen right now. Um, Scott has a book to add to the, the reading list of Caliban and the Witch. Um, I haven't read that one. But uh, if you can give us some context on that, that would be cool. Later, uh, though, because... But, yeah, like in the group chat. We're, yeah. we're three hours. We're, yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you want to uh, give us some notes on that in the group chat, then, uh, yeah, we can add that to the reading list, which is quite long, but eventually going to be comprehensive. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else 
to add as far as what we read tonight? Um, nope. Okay. Well, I can't think of anything either. So I guess on that note, I will pull up some fucking music and do the damn thing. And I'll pop this up there. And thank you all for joining us. And like I said earlier, um, starting next week, we will break it up doing one chapter at a time instead of two chapters a night. So we're going to do one segment on Sunday nights, one segment on Wednesday nights. Um, so that way it's a little easier to follow and probably will make more room for deeper discussion while respecting the time frame, you know. But thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the current events stream and, and on Sunday for the next chapter. We'll sit, we'll be sitting book. in this box waiting. Yes. We live inside of this box. We do. This one right here that you always see us framed in. And I'm actually talking with my hands again because I forgot. I'm I'm on the other window about to pull up the music and I totally forgot that I put the fucking backdrop thing up on there. <laughs> Gotta love it. All right. Good night, everybody. Night.